Eo. Hey, welcome to the new meta episode 67. 67. My name is the Peach Owl. And I'm Lord Fluffy. Today we are joined by a special guest host, Ziggy D. Welcome, Ziggy, to the stream. Yeah, dude. Oh, good day, mates. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on here. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm normal. <laughs> so I'm normal. If you guys don't know Ziggy D, you've been living on a rock, mm-hmm. one of the big content creators for Path of Exile, which if you guys don't know, Path of Exile is getting a big content update this Friday, Blight. And we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But why don't you, uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself, Ziggy? Like what, uh, what kind of got you into streaming on the Twitch? Yeah, so I originally started with uh, StarCraft, actually. I uh, Long before I was even YouTubing. I, I wonder why your, twi- your Twitter was like, yeah. like StarCraft. I was like, what is that? I noticed it's that. It's so hard to change it. <laughs> yeah, I started in the era of everyone having StarCraft after their name. It was like for StarCraft strategy and Husky StarCraft and everything. And I wanted mm. to be like, you know, I wanted to be like the cool guys. So I was Ziggy D StarCraft. <laughs> So my Twitter is still Ziggy Starcraft, and I think my YouTube <laughs> URL is technically that as well. But awesome. it, it doesn't really matter these days. Everyone just Google's anyway. Sure. So, yeah. right. uh, kind of annoys me though. But yeah, I started with Starcraft. I was in uni studying like marketing management, but I was kind of like hating what I was doing. So Starcraft was like a solid escape for me, and I got super ridiculously into it. And uh, you- I started writing about it. And who was are your that? favorite Starcraft guys? Like, did you have some? Uh, I liked uh, Day Nine's dailies a lot. Obviously, yeah. obviously, big inspiration in the early days. His idea of like having it be a, sh- a bit of a show, I thought was really, really cool and really well done. Yeah. It was kind of ahead of his time there, and still, I don't see a lot of people kind of capturing that what he did. People like the excitement people have for when he went live was yeah, uh, huge. Was awesome. Yeah. So and uh, it me JP actually as well, who uh, has been a bit, pretty big inspiration for me too because of him uh, doing like a lot of podcasts and a lot of community collaborative content kind of uh, inspired a lot of that. So I've done a few podcasts over the years, kind of directly inspired by State of the Game that he did back in the day. Yep. And uh, and uh, also the late, great Total Biscuit, of course. His yeah. Uh, yeah. sense of ethics and direction and clarity and the way he handled his reviews and everything like that has been a big inspiration for me as well. So those definitely inspired me, but it was actually my partner, Amy, who suggested <laughs> that I start making YouTube content. And that yeah, was around cool. the time that uh, Diablo was coming out. So uh ended up making a few Diablo videos, you know, just pretty small time. I remember, uh, I remember, was it Crip, I think, watched one of my videos on stream. It was super cringy. <laughs> my videos are really cringy, though. <laughs> super amateur, you know, early YouTube stuff. Solid. Super awkward. Yeah, but, I went uh, back and watched your first video. I do this for a lot of guys if they're YouTubers. Oh, no. I'll go back and I watch the very first thing they threw up there. And I saw it was some StarCraft stuff. But then I saw your... your um, Diablo kind of gives me the progression of like your channel, like what you yeah. went through and stuff. So sure. it was really cool. So. Yeah, we had terrible internet then. So taking uploading in a video took like 24 hours. <laughs> so I just had like a few videos that I was doing on Diablo, but it kind of got me, gave me a taste for it. And I was like, I can see how this could actually be a thing. Yeah. It was like, you know, if you, if you can do this and make good content and I say like, oh, I, people really liked this video and they watched it this much and I earned $2. What about if I did that a thousand times? And I'm like, oh, okay, then I could actually, you know, not do this <laughs> other stuff that I really don't want to do in life right. <laughs> and maybe just do this. Yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah, and then uh, Path of Exile had its kind of first open beta, uh, first like closed beta stuff. And I got into that and I uh, started making some early videos on that too. And uh that kind of led the progression. My first stream was actually quite a bit later. Um, it was a Path of Exile skill tree planner 
stream, streamed it about 40p, uh, 3 FPS, because I had terrible, terrible internet. <laughs> but uh, it gave me a taste for it, and I was, uh, it was actually a big success, <laughs> relatively awesome. speaking. And uh, people were hyped, and I, the thing I loved the, about YouTube the most was like the interaction with comments. Like, I'd get on and answer comments as soon as they appeared, and like ref- be refreshing the comments page. And then I'm like, wait, live is just like you can I- interact with them live at the time. It's like way faster. <laughs> so yeah. we uh, moved across the country, like ten hours away, to find good enough internet so I could start streaming and wow. uh, progress. Progress from there. You know, did a lot of Path of Exile, streamed, uh, and then streamed a lot of action RPGs. And that's kind of my main jam is streaming action RPGs. I like the loot-driven stuff. It's my perfect genre. Yeah, right on. Has everything I want in the game. For sure. That's interesting. House location, uh, internet choice or, or options are, are so important at home location. And I think, especially as content creators, I know when I picked my house out years ago, it had the fastest internet in my surrounding, yeah. like our radius. I'm like, yep, I'm living there. So <laughs> it's just yeah. insane how that influences it. Um, For sure. So, so you mentioned I, starting out on Diablo. Can you mm-hmm. Can you take us back to those days? Like what... What kind of led you away from Diablo and towards PoE? I played a lot of Diablo uh, vanilla launch, and uh, that was a loft stream and everything, obviously. And uh, I think it was a little while after that. Um, so by the point I already played a ton of Diablo, I think Path of Exiles beta was coming up, mm-hmm. and that uh, that ended up kind of grabbing me. So I ended up playing a lot more of that as a result. So I just kind of naturally played less Diablo as a result of that. Sure. And then when Reaper of Souls came out, I came back and played a lot of that as well because it was like a big revival for the game in a way. You know, it was for a sure. pretty different game at that point. So I ended up playing a ton of that. Ultimately, what led me away from Diablo was just that I I, I played a ton of it. <laughs> I was kind of done, you know? Right, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it kind of... I think a thing for me that I love about action RPGs and uh, the thing I love about games in general is like learning new things, figuring mm-hmm. new stuff out. So when that kind of slowed down a lot for Diablo for me, where whereas like Path of Exile was doing its three monthly updates, there was always new stuff to learn. I could never, I could, I can't literally can't keep up with, you know, learning everything I could learn in Path of Exile. So sure. kind of it keeps feeding me. <laughs> yeah, keeps feeding me what I need. <laughs> Scratches sure. that itch. Yeah, man. The the theory crafting like you touched on a little bit, but like Diablo has definitely like been lacking that for you know a couple of years, and PUE like just every single league just. Like all these builds that yeah. come out of nowhere, which is fantastic. I mean, I mean, it's even still today, in some ways, you can't beat like the fluid- fluidity and gameplay feel and stuff of Diablo, and uh, it still it still captures a bit of that kind of like I don't know a, spe- a special charm. Maybe for some people, it didn't capture it as well as like Diablo Two did, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it still had its own kind of special charm. But yeah, ultimately, that's it. It's just like I, I crave the new. I crave to learn new things. Sure. So uh, that's kind of what I chase. And that leads me to all different action RPGs. And I've played so many of them now as sure. a result and discovered that I love the genre more so than any specific game. Just so happens Path of Exiles, the one that kind of nails it the most consistently. So a lot of people yeah. call like PUE the like spiritual successor to Diablo 2. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like a personal thing, that one, sure. isn't it? It's kind of like <laughs> it depends on what you're kind of what that's yeah. capturing for you. Right. So it could be the like the dark, darker atmosphere, and for a lot of people, it was just that exclusively mm-hmm. that, and Path of Exile, you know, captured a lot of that. 
with its like, you know, act one crawling through the jail section and going through the prison and, you know, being all dark and gritty and then going through Lunaris and it's like pools of blood everywhere and mounds of corpses and stuff. And you're like, yeah, it's got that. It's got that vibe for other people. It was like originally the slower pace, which is kind of ironic given what I might talk about later in the podcast. But um, the slower pace kind of maybe captured it for a lot of people. The idea of kind of like slowly picking away through things. It's certainly very different nowadays. <laughs> but uh, but also even from the development team standpoint, um, they're all big Diablo players. Like the core dev team played a, lo- a ridiculous amounts of Diablo 2 and were super involved in like trading and all sorts of things <laughs> there in the Di- yeah. Diablo 2 community. That's dope. So... Where do you think Diablo 3 kind of went wrong? Was it just the lack of content for you? Or was it just that you'd played it into Oblivion? Um, oh, I think, like, definitely... Well, I don't know if it was a mistake so much. It's a mistake from a consumer point of view, from, like, our point of view, for them to not have set up the game in such a way or at least planned their company side of things in such a way where the game was going to see receive a lot of support and maybe they backed themselves into a bit of a corner like they were maybe originally relying on the auction house for it to be like this thing that they could keep developing out um maybe it just didn't fit like the evolving blizzard kind of mindset to have it be something that they kept you know doing major updates and doing like a seasonal based system they have seasons now but you know what i mean with like major gameplay changes in them and expansions and things like that even to the point where they kind of i guess seemingly scrapped an expansion and then kind of piecemealed it out instead um so i mean that's the mistake from the consumer perspective i think the other stuff is all just stylistic decisions and i can't really call any one of those a mistake like the idea for example to remove trading and the auction house and things like that i personally love trading as trading in action rpgs i think that i think it's like a huge thing for a uh, a game that you get really involved in that adds like a potential sense of value to your items and things like that, but can also skew the item thing. So like the item hunt, it's uh, it's all just really stylistic in the end. I don't know if any of those are mistakes. Sure. Mostly just the content, I think, like a lack of updating content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What? Okay, I'm kind of jumping ahead here because you talked about trading. You kind of touched on it for a second. So do you like absolutely anything and everything in a game being tradable? Or do you think that that's maybe... Like a negative thing from PoE's perspective. Is there anything you would change, I guess, also to add on to that about Path of Exile's trading system? So, like I said, I really enjoy trading. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the fact that Path of Exile has one of the, kind of the most deep and vibrant economies in games. Like, you've got games like Eve, uh, there's a couple MMOs that have very deep, vibrant economies. But not that many games actually really do that, like have such a vibrant marketplace of trading where it's all determined by market forces and things like that. I find that sort of stuff really interesting and I do have a lot of fun engaging in trading. But at the same time, I recently ran like a private league in Path of Exile where it's like it was heavily restricted trading and that was very fun in its own different way. And uh, even in Diablo 3 when it didn't have trading anymore and the uh, item system was changed to be a bit more like rewarding on the personal end of things where you find upgrades for yourself more frequently um so there's certainly drawbacks to having a trading system be very powerful instead of um having it be relied on that you find things for someone else then trade for things you need either things can be very rewarding so it kind of ultimately depends on how the game plays it but uh i do really like trading i don't necessarily think every action rpg needs to have a trading focus but i certainly like some of them to have a big trading focus Mm -hmm. Mm. do you think that there should be anything like locked behind progression or should just like the best items possibly obtainable be still be tradable is that 
something you like? Hmm. It's uh, it maybe depends on the game, but I kind of personally hate the idea of like soul bound items and sure. account bound items and things like that. It's okay. very MMOy and in, in a way that I don't like. And uh, it's certainly like Path of Exile's approach is that nearly everything should be tradable. Right. But that said, there are still some things that are like non-itemized, which then can't be traded. So like progression that's not item-based is are things that can be kept away from the trading system. Mm-hmm. So for example, in Path of Exile, you got things like um, Soulfight, a fuel that you use for one of the game mechanics to go delving. If you guys aren't familiar, it's kind of sure. like an endless dungeon. That is something you can't really, well, not easily trade with people. So uh, you can have some aspects of that, I think, through like cleverly designing it into how it how it's fed into the gameplay systems, I guess. Right on. Cool. <laughs> Jumping ahead. But yeah, I like them to go all the way. If they go trading, I, f- I feel like everything should be tradable, pretty much. Right like nearly everything should be tradable. And that's interesting because, you know, I think you're probably the first like pure PoE player we've had on the podcast. And it seems a lot of players, at least that came from Diablo and maybe because Diablo is such like this, you know, kind of soul bound, as you said, loot perspective that it, it seems like a lot of players have been like, ah, I don't love that everything, absolutely everything is tradable. Because it, it, I feel like, you know, for me to, to argue the other end is like, so a yeah. brand new player comes into the game and, you know, buy some currency on the internet and like gets the best item in the, in the game like without any like having earned it whatsoever and i definitely like you know things yeah. like to, to help you start out like getting gear like you know world of warcraft for example has like the kind of like the base gear that's still quite good but it's not gonna like take you to like the the max of the max so but it's interesting here you know like a pwe player's perspective because you guys love the trading over there <laughs> yeah, I think it depends I, I, where you well, where your background well, is. Too, you know, <laughs> I, sure. I don't know. It's a love hate relationship in the Path of Exile community. It's an interesting problem, actually. So, trading in Path of Exile these days is very efficient. It's only in everything but name an auction house, effectively, and like some very small mechanical difference that make it not an auction house. Like, for example, the trades aren't auto resolved. You still have to manually go trade with someone. But in terms of level of efficiency, it's nearly there. Like, it's so very efficient. So the problem that happens out of that is that the very small problems become very frustrating. Mm. And uh, I, ex- I experimented with this in that private league I ran recently. So you've got things like you want to buy an item and you expect your expectations are that you can go and get it right then and there and you can get the exact item you want, right? Because it's so efficient. I can type the exact item I want with the exact stack ranges within a few percentage points. Sure. And I know that I should be able to get that right away. So then when you message a couple of people and you don't get it immediately, <laughs> like maybe a few people don't respond or something like that, or you have to get something that's slightly different, you're like, super frustrated. But in a different situation where your expectations are completely different, so like in this private league we ran, it was uh, we did we weren't allowed to use trading sites. We had to trade in person through trade chats and basically a discovery-based system, mm. bartering and things like that. You didn't expect that you could get the item you wanted. You're just like looking for opportunities for things that could work for you. So then your expectations are completely different. So it's when you find something that's really good for you and maybe it takes you a while, you're like really satisfied with that instead. You're not frustrated about the fact you didn't get exactly what you wanted. Mm. Maybe some people got frustrated, but for the most part, kind of like it, it had a whole different impact on people's like expectations and what sort of things they were either frustrated with or enjoyed. And then even on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got something like Diablo 3. You don't, you, can't, you don't expect that you can trade with anyone, so you don't get frustrated about the fact that you can't like, you know, buy an item off someone because you know you can't. You don't have that expectation. Sure. Instead, you're like, oh, I know these are the routes I can go towards farming things for me. Mm. So it's, it's very interesting how that plays out. The more efficient it gets, the more the little things bother people. Right. Do you think the PoE would benefit from an auction house or is that 
kind of strictly off limits, you think? Literally, the only difference would be that <laughs> at this point, uh, you'd Okay, all right. It's a, it's a very it's a very contentious topic, the uh, auction house thing. Because for some people, just the words auction house are dirty. Cringy, and uh, I can see that Diablo three has a uh, a bit of a role to play in that one. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's this perception that it was the Diab- it was the auction house that was the problem with Diablo mm-hmm. in its uh, initial release, which I don't really necessarily really think was the case. I think it was the combination of the auction house combined with the way the item system was designed, sure. more so. But uh, that's an aside. So for Path of Exile to go to an auction house, what would really be changing? You'd have resolving trades, most likely, would probably be the biggest thing. So when you're like, buy that item and either the auction concludes or it's a buyout, you get to that item and the the currency gets passed to the person. That prevents anyone from doing things like attempting to do certain types of market manipulation where they don't trade the items. Because at the moment, you get situations where people list an item for like a low price, but don't sell it because they're just trying to influence market prices right. by you know, putting a bunch of fake listings up. So it would resolve things like that, which is a bit of a problem that frustrates a lot of people. So that would probably be a big positive thing. The negative potentially is that as you get more and more efficient, uh, it has certain impacts on like your character's progression, both in speeding it up, which can potentially be a negative. Not nec- it's not necessarily a positive if you have your character fully geared day one. And uh, it, you know... That's probably the main thing is just like speeding up that progression and making things a bit more efficient. I don't know, really. Is that because it's like, really hard to know you could, what the impacts would be? Yeah, like so there'd be more items. Is that what, like since everyone can like trade and they don't have to be online, would that flood? Do you think the market more? It's so hard to tell what yeah. will happen with the market, really, because like <laughs> well, it's yeah. such a it's such GG a huge would steal and some of that cut beast. too. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, well, I, in a, typically were, in an auction house, you have some sort of sync. Overhead, like, uh, I don't really know how you do that with Path of Exile's mm-hmm, currency yeah. system. Because how do you take a percent, like 10% right. of an exalted orb, for example? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. That'd be weird. Not really sure how that aspect of it would be handled, with, whether you'd have like some sort of sync in there. There's been like plenty of middle grounds suggested, like just having an auction house for currency exchanging or map exchanging, things like that. Mm. Players have come up with a lot of really good solutions to make these things better, systems for trading and bartering with other people, uh, which has gone a long way towards um, kind of like fixing various problems, but uh, also highlight small problems with the market. It's... GGG kind of painted themselves into a corner a bit because they gave access to uh, the like the API right from the very outset, which allowed development of very efficient trading tools. And uh, they can't, you can't really backpedal from that. It's very hard to come like draw back when you make something. You got I don't know. Maybe you guys have experienced this in the Diablo community in some way. If you make something really fast, you can't make it slower. If you make something very powerful, you can't make it weaker. If you make something very efficient, you can't make it less efficient because you know people riot. <laughs> Sure. So the more you push that stuff, you got to be very careful pushing that stuff because it's very hard to come back from. And I know like a lot of the core team are like, wish we hadn't made this so like accessible and efficient because we would have had more w- room to like develop. We would have m- had more room to work with in terms of, uh, you know, building this out at a slower pace ourselves to find the right point. So uh, I don't know, maybe it's too efficient. Maybe making it a bit more of an auction system is a solution. Honestly, probably what will happen and maybe is the best choice at this point is just to make certain problems better. And that's mm. things like being able to trade cross di- cross instance or something like that. Having like a, a trading tab where things can c- be concluded without needing to, you know, get that person online or something like that. Sure. Some of those sorts of systems that kind of bridge the gap maybe. Right on. 
so have you followed what's been going on with d3 at all with the, the kind of the smaller content updates and the seasons the seasonal themes yeah i haven't i haven't played diablo 3 in ages at this point i reckon right. i'll probably go back at some point but it'll be for like nostalgia but i, right. I like to keep it tabs on just what's going on just out of interest because i have interest in the entire genre i love course, to see what's yeah, just yeah. happening with it as a whole mm-hmm. um so yeah i've heard that like uh correct me if i'm wrong there's like um some new set items coming so like this is pretty major for diablo because this is effectively new builds i understand mm-hmm. and uh they're doing a little bit more with the seasons thing so i saw um i think steel mage playing and there was like effectively like a path of exhaust style tempest league where it had like sections yeah, exactly. of things on the ground that give you certain buffs and stuff yeah so i was like oh okay they're doing that's actually like Kind of like what Pee-wee did in the early days, experimenting with the league system. It's like it's. I kind of wish it had happened a few years ago right. because <laughs> if it did, Diablo Three probably would have taken that idea and ran further with it. You yeah. know, if they had a bit yeah, more resources for towards sure. it, they because that was like Tempest was like one of the first few Path of Exile mm-hmm. leagues, and this is very similar to that idea. And then they took that and expanded upon it and expanded upon it, and you know, you get bigger and bigger leagues. So uh, I don't know. It would be pretty exciting times. I suspect it's mostly at this point building up uh, hype towards a Diablo Four announcement. So, True. like, kind of getting people a bit more involved in it. True. So, you think, we've kind of theorycrafted that before, but so do you think that the reason, part of the reason we're seeing more content updates for Diablo 3 is because they're trying to, like, make the name Diablo, like, a little bit better, maybe, before BlizzCon this year? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. So, there's a few, like, angles on that. There's the potentially getting some more people back to playing Diablo 3 or enticing a few, a few other people to get back in, involved in it and that gets people to like install the Battle.net launcher and to just play a bit of Diablo, have it on their mind and things like that. But there's also the uh, core community that's already playing Diablo 3. They're like, oh, Blizzard really loves us. You know, they're giving <laughs> us some stuff and this is exciting. <laughs> you build up a fair bit of goodwill before the Diablo 4 announcement comes out. Um, yeah. So it's it's a good idea and all counts and everyone benefits to, <laughs> to do things like that in the lead up to something like that. For I sure. mean, uh, so... I've been playing Borderlands recently and I plan on playing Borderlands 3. And uh, for Borderlands 2, they released a new DLC uh, recently, I think it was free, that mm. bridges the gap between Borderlands 2 and 3. Mm. Same idea, get people back playing Borderlands, they rediscover some of their love for it, they bridges the gap kind of, you know, it just naturally kind of markets the next product. Makes so, a lot of sense. Wow. So let's let's jump back a little bit to BlizzCon 2018 <laughs> and the Diablo Immortal announcement. Okay. Uh, first, what were your thoughts? Like, I'm just, were you watching live? Like, how did how did you find out? Were you watching this? Were you expecting yeah. Diablo Four? Like, so I heard from quite a few people within the industry that had what I would say pretty good sources that uh-huh. there was a Diablo Four announcement coming that year. Okay. So I was ready for that. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, it uh, it seemed that it seemed that. From watching that whole thing, I'm like, they really planned on announcing Diablo 4 here. So something happened. They decided to pull back pretty, like, maybe a few weeks beforehand or something and kind of retooled that whole th- that whole thing mm-hmm. um, for just... So I really don't think Immortal was supposed to be the main announcement. <laughs> and uh, they had to have had some inkling that that wouldn't go over very well. Tip- typically, I think what would have happened was they would have announced Diablo 4 and then they would have had the aside Immortal. People would have been like, oh, cool, sure, whatever. Um, and they would have like pushed that a bit more in uh, Eastern markets where people would have been super hype about the Immortal announcement and things would have went really well. But uh, it's very, very interesting to think about what would have led to the decision to not announce that, whether it was like a retooling of the game, they realized it wasn't ready to show, which would be surprising because honestly, you can show very little and mm, still yeah. do an announcement. Yeah. So it must have been like a pretty major retooling of what they were planning. A lot of people that I knew were very surprised about that who I was like, 
yeah, they, they kind of knew something was supposed to be coming. So they were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so wow. that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. What, so <laughs> what were you thinking? Like when you saw it and it was uh-huh. just like a mobile game where you just like, oh, well, Pee Wee is going to take over or what? I, uh, so from talking to Chris Wilson at Grinding Games, the, he's the CEO, like lead sure. dev of the company there. Um, he, uh, he was like, they were gearing up there um next major expansion and they're like uh, exalcon announcement everything to compete directly with diablo 4 because they were expecting that announcement and the release date to fall around there Mm. so they were like they were gearing up for this so again i was just like i was very surprised by it It was pretty uh it's a pretty interesting thing to watch right i wasn't like personally offended by the announcement of diablo immortal in fact i was like i mean I've played a few of the mobile action RPGs. They're so trash. (laughs) If this is even halfway good, I'll I'll probably play it. I'll I'll give it a go, even just for the entertainment value, even if it is bad. But um, so I'm like not really personally offended by that sort of thing. I'm like, okay, this is very interesting that they chose this to be a major announcement. This is not going to go over well. And obviously Mm -hmm. it didn't go over very well. So what are your expectations for this year's BlizzCon? Do you think that this is... 100%. Oh, they'll be announcing yeah. Diablo 4. Okay. This Blizz God, for sure. <laughs> there's no there's no question about that. Yeah. Do you think that there's they'll, any they'll be announcing it? Do you think there's any scenario? I love to ask this question. Do you think there's any scenario where if they could talk about Diablo Immortal and not be booed? Not to this audience. So by that I mean like the PC us yeah, and space. our yeah. viewers. Sure. Not really. Not until after I've brilliant Diablo 4 announcement and in a very uh, has been made and if they do it in a very subtle way just as an aside it has they have to very offhand about it like I think the perfect way for them to handle it would be to do their Diablo 4 announcement it's good people are hyped there's a lot of goodwill around it and then not really like push it but just show some gameplay that looks good and then people will be like it'll change like the the community narrative will change there's been enough time now I think where if you don't push it and just show some gameplay that looks good, people will be like, you know, it actually looks pretty fun. I'll probably play that when I'm like on the train and stuff like that. I think the the narrative could change from the community there if they just did something like that instead. So honestly, I think it could end up going over well if they took that approach. Right on. Yeah. Without the D4, I don't think there's any way you can no, even... No, they, they certainly should not Shouldn't. Yeah. That's why <laughs> focus on it at this BlizzCon. <laughs> They have to drop D4, this BlizzCon, or just keep it shelved, I guess. Because apparently it's done, it's finished. They're just not releasing it to us. So, hmm. If they don't announce... They might have just been waiting a while, right? maybe. Yeah. If they don't announce Diablo 4 at this year's BlizzCon, they just need to keep Diablo off the schedule. Like, period. Like, don't even mm. talk about it. <laughs> just surprise drop it. I'll <laughs> have, like, a just a side panel that's specifically labeled as talking about the other new content that's happening yeah. for Diablo mm-hmm. 3. Something. Yep. So... On the expe- like on the same kind of expectation, going into ExileCon, which you're attending, if, right? I assume. Yep, absolutely. What are your expectations going into ExileCon? For the like major mega expansion, because yeah. for the mega expansion, mm-hmm. oh, honestly, man, I I do not really even know because this has been from from like talking to Chris. He said this is like we we were. His like job is to be nervous about things, you know, sure. to be nervous about things like Lost Ark and even other games that I'm like, oh, I don't think you really have to worry about that. Chris like specifically mentioned other games that I'm like, oh, I don't think you'll have to worry about that game. 
um, he's like, you know, has a certain apprehension about it. Like, we need to be aware of this stuff. So, and obviously Diablo 4 is a huge one there. That you need, they need the game to be ready for that. So, I wouldn't, here's some things I wouldn't be surprised if they happened. Some pretty major reworks to, like, early game content. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. So, like, the, the stuff that people start off with experiencing, the early acts, or even, like, the story progression system in general, I wouldn't be surprised if there's major changes to that. Uh, it's the perfect opportunity, perhaps, for some, like, core system reworks if they feel like any of the stuff feels particularly dated. Um, maybe they've been setting up for some of this stuff with, like, bringing out, like, melee reworks and doing these archetypes changes and stuff that have been doing recent expansions. Uh, maybe they've been gearing up towards some of that. Um, I guess, like, uh, I, I would expect maybe some sort of new major feature, but honestly, what that could be, I don't even know. Right. Whenever people ask me, what do, you, what do you think the next season should be? <laughs> what should the next expansion be? I'm like, God, I'm glad I don't have that job of coming up right. with this stuff because right. I honestly don't know, man. I don't know how they keep coming up with new ideas. <laughs> It's crazy, man. It's actually crazy. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't just think they'll do five new acts. I don't think they're going to be like, yeah. 15 acts. <laughs> they, did, they did that once already. They're like, there's going to be five new acts. <laughs> what? But I don't think they'll do that again. I think sure. it'll be, uh, yeah, I would expect some sort of major overhaul. Um, you talked about a reworking of, of the, the beginning acts. So as a new player coming in, do you think they they should alter that experience for a new player to make it a little more guided. I have a lot of people that tell me the game's too overwhelming and that's why they choose not to play it from people yeah. that have crazy experience like yourself. It seems like all oh, this just makes perfect sense. But as a new player coming in, do you think that they might rework that a little or you think it's in a good state and just keep going? Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of path of exiles major strengths is that no game could ever come out that could compete with it on content. Like you, Diablo 4 could not compete with Path of Exile on content because they've got years of content that have has been added to the game that they can pull from. Mm -hmm. There's like no way you could develop a game that could have enough content to compete on that level. So it's a core strength of Path of Exile, but they have to be very careful with how they introduce it. So they've done things uh, lately where it's like you don't first encounter this mechanic until Act 7 and then this other mechanic at Act 10. And this other mechanic is only an end game. So not dumping too much early on is pretty important. So yeah, having the first few acts at least focus just on the core gameplay and then slowly drip feeding that sort of stuff is, uh, I think, definitely the way to go. Maybe, yeah, maybe more attentional work would be paid to that those elements of the game, introducing these mechanics. Um, I don't know, maybe more elegant implementation of how these mechanics are discovered and interacted with. Like, for example, this expansion has a pretty major rework to how master content, which is previously content, is engaged with at endgame. Um, where you're not forced to do it then and there. It's it's uh, stored away so that you can do it later. It's a pretty pretty big deal for the game uh, in terms of giving you players control over when they engage with certain types of content. Uh, more elegant solutions like that could be pretty useful. But um, yes, I, I kind of like Path of Exile's tutorialization approach. There is actually a tutorial to the game. Like, I'm not just talking about the pop-ups. That sure. was added a while back, which is good too. But Path of Exile's tutorial is quite uh actually quite like elegant and not in your face the first boss that you encounter at the end of the first beach is hillock and the way this fight goes is you engage with him he starts whacking away at you your health gets low you, you kind of naturally drawn to using a health flask it actually gives you a little little reminder of doing that you pop it and you notice that you heal over time right 
So you're like, you get, he introduces you to this timing of like using your flask. You're attacking him, your mana runs down, you pop the mana flask. If you pop it too early, you run out of mana flask. It's got this kind of very natural gameplay introduction to how this whole flasking system works and how you're expected to engage with a lot of enemies, like riding your flask and using them actively. It's like that sort of stuff is, uh, I think, pretty brilliant. So expanding upon that sort of thing, maybe having a few more gameplay scenarios that are kind of like that, subtly, subtle introductions to the game's mechanics would be good. Maybe like a, the first couple zones could do things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. One of the things that's been really kind of how far they should go with it. Hinted at. I wouldn't say hinted at. That's not the right wording. Uh, just like one of the things I feel like people really want the most from Path of Exile is some sort of graphical update. Do you think that's in the realm of possibility? Oh, I think that's highly likely, I'd say. Yeah, more graphical um, overhauls. I mean, they do have done incremental art, sure. art updates every every expansion, which uh, all added up have made, uh, you know, major changes to the game. It's gotten a lot better looking over time. Um, but yeah, I think it would probably be a good idea to do something that's pretty big and wowy. Um, more for just the fact that people like see that and they're like, well, that's a big improvement because mm-hmm. the incremental stuff, you don't really notice that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, you don't really notice like three expansions worth of incremental, but 10 expansions worth of incremental sure. updates. It's like, if you go back and look at the old footage, it's like way better looking now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's a good time for them to do some wowsy graphical. And that's actually a pretty important point for them competing with Diablo 4 because it's probably going to look really good and yeah. maybe like look really smooth and everything like that. Uh, a thing that is going to be maybe difficult for them, they've done a little bit of work on it, is that a lot of these new action RPGs that are coming up, so there's like Lost Ark, probably Diablo 4, and even the new Walson trailer, which was a big surprise, mm-hmm. has a lot of like physical a- uh, aspects to the, um, to like a lot of physics interaction. Is that, you guys hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the crackling. Crackling, yeah. You're crackling. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Sorry, that's on my end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the power, like the wiring in this house is oh. terrible. It like sometimes seen, creates audio feedback. Damn. I got to get some isolation for that. Sorry about that. You no, seem clean now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of physics in these things. If you like look at Lost Ark, when you hit the enemies, they kind of like, get pushed around and things like that. Um, that's going to be a difficult thing for Path of Exile to compete with because those look very impressive. And the original trailers of Lost Ark that showed that sort of stuff got people uh, super hyped. Right, and the new Walson trailer, people were like jaw dropped over it because it looks it's got that stuff and I, I reckon Diablo 4 will have that too and that's very like difficult to add they've done a bit where they've had some like cloth physics and stuff that, that happen in combat but uh yeah it's a that's a difficult one mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to compete on that front so maybe maybe this is the expansion that does it they like we've added combat physics to the game I don't even know how that would work but because <laughs> there would be major gameplay changes because these are gameplay things as well like pushing monsters around with like physical attacks is uh you know, a uh, a gameplay effect as well, not just a visual one. I thought we've, we've go ahead. Yeah, they've talked a little bit about um, in, in the news a lot about like studios and their employees having to work too hard and too many hours and this and that. And I'm like, with the amount of content that comes out, I'm I'm just waiting for the article from GGG to be like, <laughs> we slave no. ninety hours a week <laughs> oh, to get all no. this content. So like that always no. interests me. So I, uh, I, you know, I sure hope not. And 
I've been there a few times. I've been to the offices a few times. Obviously, I can't really know for sure that people there yeah. aren't overworking, <laughs> but and that they don't have some like unhealthy aspects of their of like workplace culture. I think there's a you know that happens in a lot of places and can mm-hmm. be sometimes difficult to weed out. I really, I really hope that's not the case. I didn't get the impression at all that mm. that was the case. When no I went there, like everyone seemed sliding you notes or begging for food or anything <laughs> like that. No. I was leaving. They're like, hell no. It, it seemed good, and they seemed pretty flexible as well. Like, cool. um, I, I know one of the developers, for example. He's, uh, he's a, oh, he's brilliant. Um, and uh, the way he works is he kind of, he kind of just rocks up at like one p.m. and then works until like late in the evening or something like that. But that's just his preferred schedule. Sure. And then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I mean, it's not really a big deal if he's not there early in the morning because they don't really need that. So, because uh, he kind of works kind of like on his own stuff for the most part and has full control over that. So, it's That's not really a big cool. deal. So, like, the flexibility there seems to be there. So, yeah. hopefully that, like, extends out and uh, that, it's all That's awesome. Cool. It's, it's more of a joke. Just, like, their content production is phenomenal. Oh, this yeah. is coming from a Diablo 3 player. So, you know, the lack that, that Diablo's gotten over the last couple of years and then you see all this POE stuff. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Like, it rivals, like, you know, Fortnite. And Fortnite has, like, infinite money supply. Which is just insane. <laughs> I I honestly can't think of another game that puts out yeah. the same amount of content on the same schedule, like three monthly cycle for what is effectively now each of them as major expansions. Right. Like in the past, they had like major expansion minor, but now they're all kind of like pretty major, right. pretty, pretty sizable. Yeah. And uh, I I I I do know that it has been pretty like flat chat for them over there to like manage that. And it's something that I know Chris talked to. I think it was GDC recently mm-hmm. on like the. They, they call like content pipelining, like how they how they manage that sort of stuff. It was a pretty interesting talk. It was. So they seem to have put a lot of work into, you know, like, oh, these people are working on this stuff that will get used at some point in the future. And these people are working on this stuff that's happening now. And I mean, their, their team is over 100 people now. So they've got a pretty big team size to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it is pretty... It is pretty insane. And that's why, <laughs> like, when they it, say... Like, when, when GGG says mega expansion... Like that's just like yeah. immediately I pog out because it's like what what <laughs> yeah yeah I mean when the like when the, what they're saying is that it's going to be bigger than this like five act update that they did in the past it's like <laughs> I can't even I can't even imagine what right. what it's going to be but uh, yeah I know I I've seen like Chris taking very seriously the potential that other games could present a threat to them so I I expect that it'll be something pretty major right and when he comes that's out and he's awesome. like we're ready kind of saying like he's ex- expecting Diablo four to be announced. And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, we're ready for that. It's just like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> damn, he's got some juice <laughs> up his sleeve. But, yeah. Um, but say, okay, let's, let's take it a different direction. So say you're putting the driver's seat for path of exile. You're, you're in charge of oh, everything. <laughs> what, what are first, what are some like quick things you'd, you'd fix up if you could. And then, you know, Long-term plan, if you could do anything you wanted, what would that be? I'll lead with the caveat that I am not a developer and nor do I consider myself one. <laughs> sure. People love to armchair develop. And whenever whenever someone in chat's like armchair developing, I like to take this pose. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should just they should just make this. They think they should just fix trading and be easy, just a few lines of code. Yeah, forehead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> if you're not a developer, it's pretty hard to know what actually goes into sure. it. Even if you're a developer, but for a different company, it can be hard to know what goes into this stuff. But yes, for me, an easy win for Path of Exile would be private races. Recently, they did private leagues. The technology exists. 
And uh, I don't think it would necessarily be easy to do. Like, there's a bit of work there, but I think it would be an easy win for the community if they were to do that. So recently, the uh, racing scene for Path of Exile has been really taking off. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Mm -hmm. the community has been running pretty regular races. And in fact, we just finished our fourth and final qualifier for the ExileCon race finale at the event. And uh, these have been an absolute pleasure to watch. I've been casting many of them, and they've been an absolute pleasure to cast. There's been some insane levels of competition. Uh, We're talking like multiple hour races, like long races that have finished with less than 15, 20 20 seconds difference between the top two people and even like, you know, within a minute, the third person kind of coming in. Like the level of of competition there has been ridiculously high. And uh, they've been super entertaining. Watch people have been getting super into them. The viewership's been very good on them. And uh, I think it's even something that more people would want to engage with. But right now, it's very difficult to do so. And uh, I think the correct... So, Path of Exile did racing in the past where the developers did all of it. And it didn't work very well for multiple reasons. Nowadays, what we're doing is the community is managing most of it. And grinding your games is kind of just giving some support to it. Mm. Um, and I think that's the correct approach for like your esports. I don't really call this an esport, but you know, your community oriented stuff like this racing, esports, speed running should all be community run, but just supported by the devs, I think is the best approach. So uh, the idea of private races is to make it so that anyone can create a race event using this in game private league system, which is where you can make yourself a little custom event you can invite your friends to. And it can have various modifiers and things like that. A private league, a private race system would be using that same tech to be able to say i want to run a one hour race and have this many people that can you know join it and then like give an invite link and people can like use that to join it and people can crowdfund it so like if it costs some points so did you raise raise cash off this system as well that's great um people can crowdfund some points that system already exists for it but it's also a way for them to bring back some of their old race events that they used to do. They had uh, things like Descent Champions, which was like a roguelike dungeon, completely different and separate to the regular game. Uh, there was Descent, Endless Ledge, Headhunter Races, and even even the Battle Royale mode they did for April Fools but never did again. <laughs> Over a year ago, they did a Battle Royale yeah. mode, and it was actually so fun. I hate Battle Royale games personally. I just I just do not enjoy them. But this this was like a unique blend of like gear-driven action RPG isometric battle royale and it was super cool um with a little bit more refinement and that's why i say like this would take some work on their part because they would have to make sure that all these race things are up to date with the current game and function (laughs) and like have some level of balance but uh giving access to the community to be able to run these events and like you know a streamer could be like i'm gonna run this race event let's get you know a thousand people in this race yeah and uh do it and like i can throw some prizes at it and stuff like that just giving better access to that because right now what we're doing is just simulating it um being like okay everyone start at this time or we do a private league but it's very limited in what we can do we can just be like okay we're gonna race to this level or this boss kill basically that's it and you can't really like uh, dictate when people start if it's like a private league you can a bit with the private league so mostly what people do is they start a custom private league and then be like it starts at this time and then just kind of yeah, in some ways, it's just a bit of an honor system, but it's very, it's very limited in terms of what we can actually do. There's so much more interesting stuff that could be done with racing gotcha. if the uh, private race system was expanded out. I know GGG have some plans of it. I just want them sure. to do it. Do it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Forehead. That's so, your easy win. What's your unrealistic? Yeah. Like, what's what's out there? What's your outlandish, <laughs> like, you got a genie in a bottle. What are you doing? My, my unrealistic... One is unrealistic because they they really couldn't do it, but it's to uh, <laughs> slow the game down a bit. 
it's uh it's unrealistic because like what i said earlier you can't really like give a bunch of speed and then take it away mm-hmm. but i i think for the record i i love path of exile in its current state and i think i enjoy Wee more nowadays than i did when it was slower back in the day but the faster you get the more you lose in terms of like there's a certain level of lossiness to that where you uh lose some of the like tactical engagements with things uh so the faster it gets, the more it becomes about instant mechanics, like mm-hmm. being instant one-shot or instant killing the enemies or very, mm-hmm. like, twitchy-based gameplay. And you lose a lot of, like, the more uh, nuanced combat stuff. I think yeah. it's unrealistic to do things like add cooldowns for movement skills and slow down the general pace of the game, just, like, you know, bring everything down quite a bit. I think that's super unrealistic. It would be interesting to see, but, yeah, I don't think it can be done. What they're kind of doing a little bit of and what I would like to see more of and what's a more realistic approach to this is to add some things in the game that are a different pace, are slowed down a bit. So like boss fights that take a bit longer and are balanced for that. So that that's like a, so you're going fast, you go and zoom, zoom, you have a good time with that. It feels fun and smooth. You know, you don't really have to pay too much attention. It's just kind of like, you know, super fast paced gameplay. That's all fun. People enjoy that, enjoy it. And then occasionally you have something that you can slow down for. Maybe the uh, new expansion yeah, uh, the blight maps blight. will, they're will do that. Have, possibly, like, they're supposed to be tankier or whatever. So maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe the blight maps are like something you you take a take a couple mm-hmm. minutes to slow down for. Like for two minutes, you kind of, you know, you're in this area having something that's a little bit more tactical and yeah. engaging. And what's interesting? It's, uh, like, it's with, really interesting because yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, it's like like Legion. Oh. They added so they keep if, if, like Hillock, for example, like swipe to his right. Like if you're on the left, like you're kind of fine or whatever. And I thought that that was like really interesting but you know obviously in in practicality in poe because you're just like you said kind of dashing around one shotting or getting one shot yeah it was uh it legion was a big hit and very very successful and beloved but it wasn't really like it looked like it maybe would have slowed down the pace a bit but i think it did just uh it was still very zoom zoom <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ultimately sure. it was very very zoom zoom yeah. but um I, uh, it's really interesting to see because it's funny because originally Path of Exile was much slower pace and like more tactical than Diablo 3 and Diablo 3 was the Zoom Zoom game. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you guys have like your greater rifts of really high levels and uh, these fights, like you, you, like you're like gripping up monsters and maneuvering around and fighting some things for like quite a long time from sure. the looks of it. I haven't yeah. played in ages, but it looks like yeah. the pace has really like over time actually gotten slower for Diablo 3 where you have these kind of drawn out fights and that might not be to everyone's taste. Uh, I don't think it's to my taste even necessarily, mm-hmm. but uh, now Path of Exile is like way faster paced than Diablo Three, which is an interesting shift. Do you do does the Diablo? How does the Diablo Three community feel about like the high end Red Rift content where it is much slower paced? Is well, that something I, people generally enjoy? Yeah, I think when you're you, when you're pushing, it's kind of like so mm-hmm. you push the leaderboard, you kind of push the maximum of what your your character can do. Like you're kind of signing up for that slower pace. Yep. Right, you're, you're signing up mm. for like really having to dodge effects and be squishy and like really focus in. Whereas like your speed farming, which is like flying around the speed of light, like you do in PUE, it's it's pretty much exactly okay. the same. Okay, so it's it, there's a bit of both, XP. and honestly, yeah. maybe that's the best approach yeah. to have a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I mean, part of Exiles may be getting there. Like, we have the delves, which is kind of similar. Sure, where the really high level delves are certainly, you know, a little bit like threat more threatening, I guess, but yeah, not really there. <laughs> I'd love to see that aspect of the game expanded out some more, like some changes in pace, I guess, let's say, rather than making the game slow based. I wonder if you could achieve that by like not activating the tower defense and just like trying to deal with the mobs yourself. <laughs> Maybe they're just so, so tanky that you could somehow. Yeah, the uh, the devs were talking about that and they were saying like maybe the really most powerful 
characters will be able to just completely ignore the towers right. if they are very powerful. Sure. But it seems like it, for most regular players, they're probably going to need to or want to engage with the towers. Sure. So we'll see. Blight is a big question mark as to how it'll play out and uh, how well that mechanic will work. So what was Tower your defense. favorite league in PUE? Oh, what was my favorite league? Oh, man. I did a ratings video a while back, but I can't remember what I rated as my favorite. <laughs> so <laughs> if I say something different, people are going to be like, Ray, you said something different. What was my favorite? Um, favorites. We'll, we'll bail you out. Bail you out. <laughs> yeah, fa- favorites. Top. Top. Um, I don't know. There's like some things that I really appreciate what it was trying to do. Mm. Like Synthesis, for example, was a league a lot of people don't like. And even I kind of ultimately didn't end up liking it that much. But the uh, what they were trying to do here with Synthesis, which was this, it was really over complex, but... This idea of like having a, a, a game system where you plot out a bunch of zones that interconnect and build up modifiers and get more and more challenging as you go. Um, that was, uh, that was, I think, very, very cool. And I'd like to see more exploration of that idea just executed better. Yeah. So I really like what things like Synthesis were trying to do, for example. Um, I did enjoy Legion quite a bit, the most recent one. But yeah. Yeah. I don't I honestly really don't know. I like That's my favorite Legion. I, in, like for currency it was like amazing and like you get so much of it and it felt good it felt very rewarding but i didn't really love how there was like you know there's a five army fight but that even that was like it wasn't really crazy challenging there was only new mechanics or anything like that i loved like the keystones yeah. where they're called the the timeless jewels like those are amazing but i didn't necessarily get down with any of the the new ungame content that they added i think that's what was lacking in in legion i really like the idea of the Legion battles, but uh, the they were skewed too economically mm. um, to be enjoyable for a lot of people. Sure, mostly due to headhunter, <laughs> but also due to the way that they like scaled their rewards based on uh, it, it just being so much like it was to the point where they were so much more rewarding for people that were extremely well geared that uh, like per per single run. It's a that was an that whole thing was an interesting problem. It's like. A single Legion emblem battle, so this endgame system, was just like many times more rewarding for someone who was much more powerful. And that sounds fine in premise, but what you should probably have it be instead, and this reveal that I think is you should be able to do more of the thing that is rewarding if you're very powerful. So like in the time that someone else does one of these, I can do five. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting more rewards per hour because I'm so much more effective, but it doesn't skew the economy as much. Whereas if you have one that is far more rewarding for that one character because they're so much more powerful, then the value of that encounter, so the tradable itemized, these little emblems that activate it, become much more expensive because they're skewed around that. I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a sure. bit of a bit of a, like a complex problem. But uh, yeah, the way the way it was skewed is interesting. So it's it, like generally, generally, yeah, you should be able to do more of the thing because you're more powerful right. and have it be efficient that way. So you've got you've got your finger on the key to delete Headhunter or not? Are you are you hitting it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm torn on this because on some on some levels, I'm just like, yeah, let people have their have their fun, you know. Let people. Some people really love having that as a chase goal that they sure. can achieve, and then they break the game. And action RPGs are all about having something to chase after, and then eventually breaking the game. It's How honestly much did fine. You for the, years, fluff. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I got one in a tier five fungal cavern this league. So everyone's like, oh, oh RMT, yeah, nice. RMT. 
a while drunk. He wasn't, while he yeah, wasn't, wasn't on, on stream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Classic. I think uh, the only but problem is that it's been skewing the gameplay for other players too much. Mm-hmm. It's fine if you can like break the game and it's like just you having a lot of fun. But if it's really kind of like starting to screw the economy of certain game systems, that's when it starts to become a bit more of a problem. So I don't know if GGG should have to like design every league around Headhunter yeah. <laughs> and be like, all right, will this be bad? you know because of headhunter or not like that's a if one thing is having such an impact it's like mm, maybe maybe you should sure, just, yeah, and it might scare them to produce more things that are that powerful too you know i think so. it kind of it can kind of hinder the image of path of exile because you go like some of the top streamers it, oh yeah and they're just like the oh, size yeah. of their screen and they're just like walking and everything. that's like, a big it problem just, yeah it's like if you're someone that doesn't even know what path of exile is and you see that and you're like <laughs> What is what the hell is this? No, yeah, I like if you like tune into like Cute Dog or Steel yeah. or someone like that who was pushing 100 on multiple characters in uh, the em- Five Way Emblem battles, and they're literally just like their character is half cut off by the top right. of the screen, and they're like spinning just around feet, with screen right. size cyclone. You can't see anything that's going on. It's just a light show of effects, and they're just spinning endlessly in circles, and you're like. This is completely degenerate. Right. <laughs> exactly. Why do people play this game? Yeah. It's like when yeah. I look at like some, some like top tier gameplay on like a Korean fighting MMO or something like that, and it's just like <laughs> light effects and massive text going off everyone. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't think I'm going to play this game. Right. Yeah, yeah, it actually, uh, I think it could be damage for, damaging for the game on that level. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I'm with you. Speaking of damaging of the game, let's mm. switch gears a little mm. bit. Mm. Going awesome. to the- All right. So this is uh, this is something that's that's kind of taken over the Diablo three, mm. and I kind of want insight from some you know a POE expert as as to two. But bots mm. are such um, such a hot topic now. They've been around in Diablo 3's history as long as I can remember. Sure. But it just seems like as of the last year or two, it they're just completely ignored. It feels like. Mm. Um, the leaderboards in Diablo are kind of one of the in-game systems that they put in. The higher, greater rift you push, the further up the leaderboard you are. And then so people, you know, covet those high spots, you know, the top 10 are, are that number one spot. But if you look at them, it's pretty easy to see that that, that a lot of people are botting the leaderboard and, and just botting in general. Um, so what's what's your take on PoE? Like, do you think uh, PoE has a lot of bots? Do they affect the game? Depending on who you talk to, I get drastically different opinions. They're like, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anything. Sure. And other people are like, oh, no, it completely skews the economy. So so I want to ask some questions about the Diablo 3 sure. side of things first. Sure. Curiosity. Um, this is a learning opportunity for me, too. Um, so I, is what happening is that people who are botting are able to top the ladder of the most like difficult, highest pushed content? Yeah, because of the yes. way that Paragon works. Like, so if you have infinite amounts of time to grind XP, okay. it gives you like right. basically infinite damage. You're getting a big advantage yeah. out of that. Yeah. I see. And yeah. you get okay. better items, drops, right. and, and you get, get the currency used to, to, to challenge the rifts. You have infinite keys to keep opening them to fish for better rifts. So it's mm-hmm. just like everything is just in your favor. So Right. Okay, so it's not the case that the bots are like doing the hardest content for players. They're right. there. Okay, so it's effectively a similar problem then between Path of Exile and Diablo Three. I was wondering if mm-hmm. this is a different problem, but it seems like it's similar. A similar problem: the idea that the bots are producing wealth or XP or something like that for you that can be done in easy content because most bots are pretty dumb and kind of kind of yep. just do simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's only the case in PoE. So there's a couple t- couple different bot types that are present in Path of Exile, and yes, it's a problem. Like. Obviously, it's a problem. Any online game, especially right. games that have an economy, will yeah. have a lot of bots in yeah. them. 
Um, it's something GGG does a fairly good job of managing. And I've had some insights into like the inner workings of how that's done. Typically, they don't talk about it much because if they mm-hmm. talk about it, then sure. the bot the bot creators can counteract those things that they do. So it's one of those things where the company keeps quiet about it. So people think the company's doing nothing about it. <laughs> but I have seen that they do they do a pretty good job of managing it, but there is still bots and players will see them. You'll see them in town, like running back and forth between stashes and waypoints and stuff like that. It's usually the worst bots that you see as well. So there's a couple of different bots in Peewee. There's the ones that farm low level content and like just grind out currency. Those have an impact on the economy and they uh, produce a lot of like lower tier wealth. They create things like chaos orb inflation. So they're effectively just like turning over a lot of content to like pick up chaos orbs and alterations and things like that and uh, are flooding a lot more of those into the economy, which has an impact. And it means that kind of like a kind of a just a regular casual player that kind of jumps in and maybe produces like 50 chaos an hour or something like that, their, uh, their buying power is a lot less as a comparatively speaking, because the market's been shifted by that. So that has an impact there. The other bots that... uh, (laughs) The meme is they're actually the good guys, are the trade bots, is because (laughs) the problems with the trading system I was talking about earlier, where it can be annoying because people don't respond to you and stuff like that, Mm. is like when you're trying to buy currency, sometimes you'll get an instant response, an instant invite, and you'll do a very fast trade with them, and you're like, that person's a bot. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> there's actually trade bots that, yeah, yeah. but it makes people like kind of don't right. hate these because it actually makes it they're a lot more convenient to trade with a bot than it is with another player <laughs> sure. a lot of the time. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of it's kind of funny that they like they're better traders. It's like that was an issue free <laughs> trade that was it was nice and speedy. <laughs> I know that if I need some currency real fast, like to flip some of my cow swords into some exalts, then uh, this bot will do it for me in yeah. you know a few seconds flat. It's uh. <laughs> So people don't really see that as a problem, but these bots are also flipping huge amounts of currency and impacting the economy. It's uh, like, it's um, yeah, it's it has an influence. I don't know how much of a problem is. It's difficult to know the scope. But every now and then we have leagues where something really major happens, where like a group or a company perhaps or someone running, probably running bots does something like where they uh, try to influence the economy in a much greater fashion. And it's not specifically the botting, but what they do is they use the buying power they have through whatever me- reason means they got that to uh, buy up a ton of something. So like maybe exalts, drive the prices up, have a big influence. And we saw cases where like exalt exalts, which is one of the higher tier currencies, was uh, peaking at prices of, you know, like 180, 200 chaos or something like that. And then they dump it <laughs> and uh, the pr- you see like a massive price drop or something like that. Or we had a big bot where bandwave and you see a massive price drop and stuff like that. So there has been a few times where the economy has been shifted in very noticeable ways as a result of that. Mm. I guess if the question is how much of a problem is it, I don't think it doesn't sound like it doesn't seem like it's as big of a problem in Path of Exile as it is in Diablo 3. Because for you guys, it's very noticeable because it's l- you're literally looking at the ladders and being like, I can't compete with these people because they're botting. That's that's very like upsetting and drives people away from even trying. So that seems like it's a bigger problem in Diablo 3 right now than it is in PoE because the botting stuff, people don't really notice that much. Maybe some people are like, oh, it's too hard to buy the items I want. But for the most part, I don't really think it that has been the case for a lot of people. So it has an influence, but wh- how much of a problem it is, I don't know. Maybe it's, be- maybe it's been managed better mm. or maybe it's just the natural, like the virtue of the really open c- economy of PoE that, it doesn't have as big of an impact on right. like the regular player base. Well, I think yeah. that PUE is, is smart in, in one regard is that like one of their biggest forms of competition is races, which like botting wouldn't really do 
much for you there <laughs> but like so like yeah, the it's, Dell it's, board for, or like the dps board on like peewee ninja or something like that then it, it probably but i don't know how much of an impact it has because i haven't that's, been. A, that's a good point because like if you compare like people put doing like a 100 race or pushing delt or something like that right. yeah those people could have bots which feed them currency which make them able to perform better but generally what you see is you see people winning that uh are like dominating the game very in a very legit way <laughs> it's like a group of like six people or something like that that have some people that are like tasked with trading some people that are tasked with pushing some people are tasked with support and you like watch often it's like a, a group of six streamers or something you can, so you can watch everything they do and it's like online all the time because they're playing 24 7 sure. and uh you see these people actually just being ridiculously efficient uh being very effective at the game and having very good understanding of the economy so these people make a lot of money legitimately by like being the first to end game getting big items selling them for crazy amounts of money buying up all the maps influencing the economy through the economic power that they've done that and they win through those methods how legitimate you think some of those things are is like you know about for personal taste but sure. they're not like use they're not winning because they're playing bots and bots would be like a drop in the bucket for the level of like power that they are putting out through like legitimate methods yeah so it's uh yeah it's interesting because like the the problem there is not the same problem where you guys are having where the ladder's being dominated by people running bots. Right. And it's also like the only, like it's really the only thing you do. And in, in Diablo is like you eventually get to the point where you're competing on the leaderboard and then effectively taking the only aspect of the game <laughs> that like really keeps you playing away. Is mm, just, true. It's really yeah. rough. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons to play PoE ultimately. And, yeah. and like I guess just the the width of the content there. 100%. Maybe makes it a bit less of a problem too, because mm -hmm. you, yeah, a lot of people, don't, well, most people, ninety nine point nine nine percent of people don't <laughs> compete on like leaderboards and races and yeah. stuff like that. Most people just like, you know, I want to play some different builds or I want to reach this specific goal of killing this yeah. boss or you know, I just want to play. It's wild to <laughs> even think things. think about those players that like they don't even like really do combat. They just like sit in town and do trade and yeah. like make stuff. Some people love just... trading and running crafting services and stuff like that. They probably it's play crazy. a bit, but yeah. some people do like doing a lot of trading. Yeah, that's nuts. And that's not even, you couldn't even do that in Diablo. Like that's not even a possibility. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so what's what's like I I and we were hoping for the patch notes kind of today before the start of the podcast for for PeeWee, but we didn't Yeah, that might be in a couple of hours or right. something. Um, but what, I'll probably stream that later. What are kind of like the big things in Blight that you think are the community you might latch onto the most, or what are you most looking forward to with Blight? Yeah, I'm very curious to see how the tower defense thing goes. So yeah. the new league Blight. Um, I did make a trailer of it if you wanted to yeah. show it. Yeah, but um, the new uh, the new league Blight is uh, a tower defense league <laughs> where you encounter these blights that have to be purged, and you have to defend a thing that's purging the blight, and the blight mind controls monsters along lanes. <laughs> that attack the thing it's tower defense i can't believe it tower <laughs> defense action rpg it's actually not the first time it's been done um the van helsing games and death trap actually did tower defense and action rpgs first so not a completely original idea but it still blew my mind when i first saw it um it's uh yeah it's really difficult to tell if this is going to be loved or hated it could be very very divisive um the idea of like hanging out in an area and doing a tower defense and clicking towers and upgrading them stuff for a lot of people they're like what no <laughs> it's been very 50 50 on like reddit and everything like that sure. um for, for other people it could be something that they really love like people who kind of maybe played a bit of a slow pace anyway might really love it other people who play fast normally might enjoy slowing down 
My my suspicion is that the blight encounters in the regular game content aren't going to be very interesting. Mm. And probably just going to be pretty quick affairs. We just bash some monsters, maybe throw down a tower or two. Probably, yeah, nothing major. What I'm really excited for is the endgame blight map Maps, system. Yeah. So the maps in Path of Exile, like endgame zones that you run, um, you can craft them up, make them more difficult and things like that. There's going to be a completely separate system of blighted maps where instead of it being a regular map full of monsters and a boss, there's going to be just a blight tower defense encounter. So it's going to be like playing, booting up a Warcraft 3 custom game. It'll be a lot shorter than that because they'll, they'll, be, they'll run to like two to four minute mark or something like that, I think they'll take. And uh, you basically just have one mega blight tower defense encounter where the thing's like pushing down through the lanes. You're building up tons of different towers. That will be the opportunity, I think, to really realize that. And the map being entirely focused on this tower defense scenario, I think is very interesting. So I'm very excited to see what that does. It being a completely different endgame map system is very, very interesting to me. The idea mm-hmm. that these maps will drop, like you'll get blighted maps from other blighted maps, increase through the tiers, you know, get higher and higher level versions of them, potentially have the really high level ones be very valuable, maybe hopefully very rewarding, um, hopefully very challenging and like a completely different pace of gameplay. That's very exciting. Uh, so I hope the blighted maps are excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't know if they're going to be, but <laughs> they could be. There's a, yeah, I see the potential. And the people that love them, it'll probably stick around forever so they can get to play them. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that could be worked into the core game. Sometimes you see leagues and you're like, mm, I don't know if this will work in. I could, yeah, I could see at least the yeah. blighted map system working into the core game, right. especially things that you can just kind of like not do if you don't want to. Right. <laughs> that sort of stuff works well as additions to the game. For sure. And the anointments, those yeah. look amazing, I think. The notable. Yeah, yeah. So one of the rewards is going to be these oils where you can add enchantments to like rings, amulets, and a couple uniques that add passives from the passive tree to your gear. So. That's kind of wild. It's certainly uh, a bit of extra power. I love that they are going to show you what you're going to get before you do it, too. Like, that's one thing that Synthesis, like, 100% should have done. It's showing yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea that you don't have to commit your resources before you know what's going to happen. Right. So, it'll make it much more approachable for the general player base mm-hmm. than Synthesis was, where it was needing to go to a data mine website to <laughs> troll through the list looking for options and having to yeah. do math to figure out what exactly for you needed sure. to make it work. This yeah. will be much more simpler than that. And then the master mission. So, like, before it was going to be you get, like, two a day per, was it two per master? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, they changed it. So yeah. there was a bit of an outcry of the fact that people would be getting less of the master content mm-hmm. with a result of the new system, even if the new system was going to be way more powerful. I was kind of uh, surprised. But uh, GG is like, all right, we hear you. You get five. <laughs> you get one each. <laughs> so uh, good on them. There was a pretty fast turnaround. That was like within 24 hours. Yeah, they're like, all right, we'll change that. <laughs> yeah, that <was laughs> Before even had a chip, people had a chance to play with it. <laughs> that's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. On. That's that's pretty common for GG to do things like that. So just like yeah. listen and <laughs> act. <laughs> great (laughs) so one of the things i didn't understand maybe you might know but like so say you run into like you know delve inside a map can you like add that to your atlas to like do later or you you, have to do it if you encounter it then and there in the map that's that encounter the idea of this so you will have that then you can't add it to do later because you it's there right then the idea is that you will that will happen less and instead they'll get added to your counter gotcha of stashed up that you can do when you want to. Mm-hmm. So for the new system, for you guys who aren't familiar, because we have some maybe Kepler 3 viewers here, oh, yeah. or people that are a little bit less engaged, the idea is that all of the old League content that you can play in Path of Exile was just happening randomly before, and occasionally you'd be playing a map and wanting to do something else, and you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this now, but I want to do it later. Right. <laughs> but you didn't have the option to do that. 
So now what's going to happen is it'll get stashed away into like a counter. So it'll be like, all right, I really like doing the Temple of Atsawadal from Incursion League. I like building up the temples and running the temples. You can stash those away, and then on the weekend, you can be like on Saturday, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to run 50 of these and just go ham on the Temple of Atsawadal. So you can stash them up and do them when they want to. You could be playing with friends, and you don't want to do this content when you're with friends because you just want to keep bashing on maps. Um, and then you can, you'll just stash them up, and you can do them on the weekend or on a weeknight or sometime when your friends aren't playing and do it for yourself. It just gives a lot more control over the content. Yeah. So uh, I don't so. really know if there's like any direct comparison to Diablo 3 here, but it's like, nope. I guess it would be like <laughs> if you couldn't choose when you did bounties or something. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. they just happen randomly when you're in a rift and you're like, oh, I just want to focus on this rift, but there's bounties here that I need. And I want to do this bounty for something else, but, yeah. you know, kind of, it'd be like that, I guess. Of, of the, you can choose. the summoner and the, like the traps and the like poison rework, which, which of those three are you most excited for? Well, originally it was. Mines, Summoner, then Poison. I was like, eh, Poison, whatever. Um, poison Assassin, don't really care much about that. Uh, Mines, I was like super excited about. I have loved playing Mines in the past. This is a complete system rework for the idea of Mines. They're going to be very different, but I think it looks very interesting. Some mm-hmm. people are a bit <laughs> unsure. <laughs> Some people are, maybe think it's a bad idea to change Mines because they're like, I like it when you place Mines at your feet. Whenever you change something like that, you know. Some people sure. will be happy. Some people won't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very curious about that. I'm probably going to play with mines originally and the, uh, and then do some minion stuff later. Minion stuff looks really good. But then I saw some of the new skills from Poison. I know. Oh, my God. They look so good. <laughs> yeah. There's this one that's like you throw out a, a projectile, a like a slash. shuriken that poisons yeah. enemies. Mm-hmm. And then it'll return to you as a dagger piercing through enemies. If it hits a wall, it bounces back and returns to you. You can make it chain around and then come back to you. You can make it pierce through enemies and then hit a wall and then come back to you. And then it stores on your character. And when you do a whirling blades movement skill, you're probably spamming anyway. They, it fires all the stored projectiles all around you. I'm like, holy shit, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's that's like such a that's like such it's so next level. Right. It's like next level on next level. It's like instead of just a skill, you shoot an arrow and it hits the enemies. Yeah. <laughs> or like you throw a you throw a thing that boomerangs out and comes back and hits enemies. It's yeah. like <laughs> instead it does, you know, two extra layers of things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit, that's way cooler. Yeah. So that's like next level skill design, I think. I thought that that, that first that first post were like, here are the new poison skills. I thought that was it. <laughs> I didn't think there was going to be like a part two where we can get like two Yeah, it's like five <laughs> new poison skills. It's pretty, <laughs> actually, I was like, what? <laughs> I was. I actually wasn't too pog before. Like on the first one, it just seemed like frost blades, but poison, like the cobra lash or whatever it was. But mm, yeah, the second cobra set of lash, skills, I was like, mm, that looks good. Yeah, which basically just looks like kind of like a poison spectral throw. And I was right. like, okay, well, I'm <laughs> sure people will enjoy that. Right. But this is like, yeah, way more interesting. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you know, and then you had some, we want to talk about some other ARPGs and you, you put some on yeah. this list that I've never even, I've never even heard of. Well, that's, that's why, I, that's why I like <laughs> when you offered for me to come on the podcast and I was like, you know, I'd love to talk about the action RPG genre as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I consider myself not just like a PoE player sure. or something like that. I, I'm an enthusiast of the action RPG genre. Mm-hmm. So I play like every action RPG and then like other games that have action RPG elements that I can get my hands on just to see what things they... I'm really excited about what things they do differently. And, sure. And so many times I've like come across a game and I've been like, wow, this aspect of this I really love. And, and I'm like, I'd love to see this in other games or mm-hmm. this is pushing the genre. So some of these games are like maybe not like super good overall but they have some things that are really special so i'd love to take you guys on a bit of a tour of the action rpg genre yeah so first up i have 
Pagan Online. I don't know if you've have you had the opportunity to play this one. Okay. I uh, for full disclosure, I did a sponsored stream of okay. Pagan Online, so my imp- my imp- opinions may be influenced by the fact that I got paid money to play the game originally. <laughs> but okay. yeah, no, not really. I just have to disclose that. Sure. <laughs> just so you guys know. Right. Uh, I also played this. Um, I the one thing that I kind of took away that was I thought was okay was like I this, feel like this is the first ARPG that kind of successfully did the WASD movement. Yeah. Plus, like the aiming of with like the left and right mouse button stuff like that. Um, but outside of that, I don't know. What do you what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought the gameplay felt pretty smooth. Uh, I definitely had some fun with it when I played it. Um, like you said, I think it did pretty pretty good job of WASD movement. Generally, if an action RPG does that, I like to have the option between doing either. But mm-hmm. it actually, I think, and I don't know if this did or not. I can't remember. But uh, the WASD movement was good, so I actually played with that. If it did have the option, I didn't change. Um, so it actually did a pretty good job of that. Ultimately, I think my opinions uh, overall on this game were that there was not enough meat here yeah. for an action RPG enthusiast. For someone who plays Path of Exile, Diablo, or any of these other more complex games, there just wasn't enough meat here. It was kind of like a very lighter take on the... I, I call them like Warframe-esque games mm-hmm. where they're very mission-based. We have like a campaign map and you move between missions and you kind of like grind out missions to incrementally get rewards. It was very like um, account progression sort of stuff as well, which is very Warframe. So it had a, it had a bit of that sort of stuff, but it's just ultimately very light. Right. Like I think, yeah, if you just want some like casual back beatdown stuff, I think probably most of our viewers here probably won't be looking for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure some people end up playing and enjoying this. Sure. It's just... There's just there's just wasn't enough there on the character yeah, yeah. customization side of things or the loot side of things. It was all very very light. This kind of yep, suffered were- from what I felt Diablo Mortal is going to ultimately suffer from is where you have static maps, but they're dynamic in their like events and like how you can traverse the map. But it's always like the same map, which like I just right, feel okay. like is finite in its discovery. Yeah, okay, I get that. It's interesting because another game that is very high on my action RPG list, Grim Dawn, actually has static maps, mm. but it does it does have good reasons for that, which we can get into in a bit. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, it can it can certainly it can hurt replayability, and there's a reason why like Path of Exile and Diablo and stuff have put a lot of effort into terrain generation for randomization. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty big if you're gonna play a game a lot. Sure. Yep. And then next on the list, never heard of it. Star Valor. Ah, so Star Valor is one of these ones that is not, I would say, a true action RPG, but heavily borrows from the action RPG genre. So it's uh, it, it's more of like a freelancer-esque game. If you guys are familiar with those games, they're like space sandbox RPGs where you can, you can do various things like trading and mining and stuff like that. But uh, this game heavily borrowed from action RPGs in the combat and especially the progression. So uh, firstly, space action RPG action, pretty cool. Also, I got an arena mode recently. But this is made by a one-man dev team. Fantastic little space action RPG-esque game. Uh, The reasons that it really, really excels, I think, are the... So it has, like, loot tiers and a very good, like, loot hunting system. Uh, There are some kind of, like, random aspects to that. You're, like, hunting down uh, elite enemies to try and get good loot off them, clearing out pirate bases and stuff like that. But the thing that made it very, very spicy was the... um, the ship progression is like some of the most interesting out of any of these sorts of games that I've ever played 
because you can you can do you have a lot of freedom. You can do things like stack multiple layers of shields, but then you know you're going to have a lot of pressure on your energy generation and things like that. So it's a lot of action RPG sort of problems mm. where you're like you have in a lot of in good action RPGs typically you have a lot of freedom with how you can build your character, but if you go you know super deep on something, you may have problems you have to address, and then good ways of addressing those problems. And this game had the same sort of thing. You know, you could like get crazy mega death ray lasers but you might only be able to fire them for one second before they overheat <laughs> so you play you play a build that's centered on that where you like zoom in pick the perfect opportunity to fire your mega death laser and uh hopefully blow them up because if you don't you're going to be overheated and vulnerable for a while <laughs> it's uh it, it's just, yeah just really cool game would certainly recommend if you're like willing to expand out your uh action rpg uh esque elements into other genres sure. which are uh, for me, I found that to be really enjoyable. Like, I, I like it when I come across a game like a shooter or a space game or some other sort of game that has cool action RPG stuff. Right. And it's, it's something I encourage. I don't know if you do it all the time, but I, I honestly feel as though every, like, PoE player should try Diablo. Every Diablo player should try PoE. I hate when, like, there's this thought on Twitch where you, you have to pick. Like, you can't, you cannot play both. You, you have to make it, like, a stance. So, I'm... Yeah, I think like if you love Diablo Three or Path of Exile or something like that, you probably there's probably things you love about it that you would really enjoy in other games too. It's probably things like the dopamine hit of finding a sick item, mm-hmm. or the planning and execution and realization of a build that works really well and feeling clever about it, <laughs> or the like the idea of overcoming some like challenging piece of content. And a lot of other games potentially capture that well. There's a lot there's a lot on offer in the action RPG genre and. Uh, other games that borrow from it. And I'm actually seeing this more and more, which makes me really happy. A lot, a lot more games are starting to borrow from action RPGs, like mm-hmm. either looking back to Diablo or looking mm-hmm. at other games in the genre yeah. and uh, taking some of those elements, whether it's like loot randomization, randomized affixes on loot, the, so- the sort of sense of gear progression that you get from these games, which is great because it's far more interesting to me than, say, like MMO gear compar- sure. gear um, and uh, gear progression and yeah. gear randomization and stuff like that. And even World of Warcraft was just taking stuff from Diablo. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. For sure. Uh, yeah, next like I, saw, I saw you playing right. uh, Borderlands recently, and just that's mm-hmm. an example. I mean, I think Borderlands mm. was heavily influenced by Diablo. It, it oh, just, absolutely, yeah. I mean, 100%. And, like, I'm a Borderlands 2 fan. I played it. Uh, excited for Borderlands 3 to come out, but it's just like they're, they're advertising a billion guns. Well, it's because it's just randomized rules on their gun loot, you know? So yeah, yeah. It's like having it's uh, multiple different parts and affixes that can combine together in different ways, which is effectively the same sort of thing that action RPGs like Diablo on that have. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I still think Borderlands is probably still the finest example of loot and shoot. Uh, we've had games like Destiny and... Uh, uh, the Tom Clancy game, and I guess oh, Anthem, Division, but not really Anthem. Yeah. The Division, yeah. We've had a few yeah. of those games kind of take aspects of that, but they ended up being pretty light on the gear side of things and a bit more MMO-y, I think, overall. Um, fun gameplay, but ultimately not very heavy on the action RPG stuff that grabs me. Uh, Warframe is the other one. that, that It's kind of its own unique beast, <laughs> but it's yeah. also worth playing if you're sure. interested in, into action RPGs. Yeah. But it's it's a very unique beast. That was <laughs> no, one of the things difficult that... to get into. Like me and Peach Child noticed, like when we were at BlizzCon last year, it's like every dev was talking about Warframe, like and how mm-hmm. like they love the things they're doing over there in Warframe, 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 Warframe. Yeah, so that was. I still haven't checked it out, but <laughs> apparently they're doing something. There's a lot like, of overlap. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of overlap between the PoE community and Warframe as well. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a very unique game, but uh, <laughs> it's very enjoyable. Yeah, definitely has some strong action RPG influences going on. The but, game you have on yeah. the screen at the moment is uh, Din's Legacy, which is 
actually made by uh, a savant of the action RPG genre, uh, Soldak. Soldak makes um, action RPGs that are pretty dated looking and pretty clunky. But if you are someone who doesn't mind playing something that feels a bit retro, like you, if you like regularly go back and boot up, you know, Diablo 1 and 2, or you go back and boot up like uh, Dungeon Siege or something like that, then uh, I would recommend checking out his games because he has some of the most interesting and uh, like boundary pushing uh, action RPG systems that I've seen in any game. Um, so the game at the moment here is Din's Legacy has a mutation-based character progression system where every time you level up this mutation bar, you get a randomized mutation, which could be a bonus skill level, a brand new skill um, from like any one of like 30 classes in the game, uh, skill modifiers that completely change the way skills function. Like it might be like you have like a lightning blast skill and ends up adding an effect where when you kill enemies, it shoots out a bunch of lightning projectiles. Or maybe it adds something completely different, like a wave of fire or a cyclone or something like that to the skill. And then you can, so this is like this random mutation system, but then you can control it by mutating between different classes. So you can choose to, say, mutate from uh, a fire mage over into, like, a reaper or, a, or an ice mage or something like that, or some other class, like it could be an assassin or something like that. So you create this kind of unique class combinations, and every time you mutate, some of the skills that you haven't locked in by, like, using or putting points into are lost. Like, it's, like, almost half of them. And then you randomly gain about half of the skills from that class on average, Wow. So you can kind of create your own like blend. It could be a, a blend of eight different classes with some elements cherry picked from other things because you also will occasionally get like a random skill from a completely different class. And then those skills will mutate. And it's like, whoa, man, I've never seen a game do something like this. And it's the worst game possible if you're an altaholic. If you like rerolling nuke builds, <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> game because you never know what you're going to end up playing. It's a little roguelike in that way because... Mm-hmm. You know, I got a. I played an archer, and uh, the first uh, what first mutation I got was point blank, or like hundred percent more damage at close range. I'm like, holy shit, that's really powerful. <laughs> I wonder what I'll get next time I'm making a character. Is one of my first mutations, and you get a bunch of mutations at the start, so you kind of get started, get an mm-hmm. idea. But yeah, I originally planned to make like a. I was gonna make a poison caster, but ended up being something completely different, like some sort of fire ignite caster. <laughs> it's like so crazy what you end up with. Man, this looks so but, much uh, like a crude grim dawn, like so much yeah it's 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 a bit more like kind of clunkier and a bit older looking than grim dawn but like the particle Um, effects look exactly the same almost it's weird yeah yeah so uh, like he's done some work on his engine over the years but (laughs) his focus has definitely just been on exploring mechanics so that's just din's legacy the newest one yeah uh one of his older games that i played probably the most was zombicite terribly named game (laughs) you know in (laughs) an era with billions of zombie games sounds so generic but it was an action RPG that had 4X strategy elements incorporated into it. So it was a, it, you would have a clan of people and you could recruit new people to it and they would like try and defend your base during a zombie apocalypse full of like other monsters and things like that. Still an action RPG. You still go out there and slay things. But the world is like dy- dynamically evolving where um, things are, there's like hostile factions, other clans, and even uh, say like there's a lich. And he's just one of the enemy mobs in the zone. But he's doing things like uh, creating other quests that spawn. Like maybe he builds some sort of time machine that does something or he builds a weather machine or he, he sends assassins at your base. And these all these all spawn new quests in the world. So the game doesn't have like a storyline or a campaign. Instead, it's like a procedurally generated, dynamically evolving thing. And if you interact with any of those parts, it changes how the game plays. So like if you kill that guy, he won't do any of that. 
um, or if you leave him to his devices, he'll end up screwing you by like doing all these evil things that will like maybe he'll turn one of your village members against you and they'll build a tunnel into town that lets zombies in. <laughs> it's like crazy the way it develops. <laughs> That's funny. But you have like these po- you have like polit- political management between different clans and even like relationships with your own clan members where they might end up fighting or something like that. So kind of kind of crazy and just distracts a bit from the action RPG stuff, but ended up being like a really sure. interesting blend. Just so unique. Um, so very unique games. Soldak S O L D A. If you want to check out some Soldak games, he's got a website with all his games. Also, best thing, he has free demos of all of his games. Nice. The only dev <laughs> that does cool. that in 2019. <laughs> right. <laughs> Super cool, but very, very unique. I think uh, any action RPG developer making a new action RPG, Path of Exile, Blizzard, anyone, should really look at Soldak's games and consider stealing some ideas because mm. he has some excellent ideas. I don't know. Uh, next up, I had. Warhammer 40k. Yeah, have you played 40k in Quizma? You know, I haven't. I I saw it like kind of launch, and then it seemed like yeah, uh, okay, yeah. But I haven't followed up again. Yeah, yep, yep. So Warhammer 40k and Quizma launched uh, a year or two ago, I guess. And it was pretty bad at launch. I'm a pretty big Warhammer 40k nerd. I I love it. So I had some fun with it, but ultimately it wasn't a very good action RPG. Um, they did a 2.0 overhaul recently and then released their Prophecy expansion. And it's actually now a very good action RPG in its own right. You should definitely check it out if you're a 40K fan, no question. But mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're just like action RPGs and don't really care about 40K, it's uh, a sci-fi action RPG, which is very rare. And it's actually pretty legitimately good nowadays in its own right. So they sped the game up a ton, which was a big problem with it. They made a lot of the combat more fluid, made everything faster, movement skills a lot better, more access to movement skills, move speed faster, animations faster. You can like chain between animations a lot faster. So it sped up and improved a lot of that. That was big problems with the game. And uh, also reworked a lot of the systems. Crafting got a lot better. Um, loot acquisition. They added like Diablo II style rune words, mm. um, socketables, all, all this sort of all this sort of stuff, which makes for a very like um, enjoyable gear progression experience now. But also like uh, creating builds in this game now is actually uh, pretty damn fun as well. So uh, yeah, I played uh, played probably a good like I don't know fifty one hundred hours recently. Just kind of, I ended up ended up playing just a ton of it. Um, but yeah, I made like there's a new summoner class. It's like an Adeptus Mechanicus that has robots, and you can customize each of the robots with different parts and stuff that you find as gear. And uh, I played a Crusader who was like a run and gun pistol guy that could shoot while running, and uh, that felt very enjoyable as well. But yeah, actually, legitimately enjoyable game in its own right. Actually, has one of the better end game systems I've seen in an action right. RPG in a while. And how League Crusades? Yeah, how's that work? It's uh, it's like a, a bunch of different missions chained together and they get increasingly difficult as you go. And you're exploring around looking for keys and intel and things like that during the missions that will either make the rest of the missions more rewarding or, um, or make the end loot room at the very end more rewarding. So you might do like several missions that increase the difficulty, that increase, increases your overall rewards. You might find some secret missions by finding some intel in one of the missions. So you're kind of encouraged to explore around a bit. And uh, that might unlock like some sort of, I don't know, hidden assassination mission or like a branch because it's like a branching structure, this overall campaign map. So it's like a kind of like a a end game campaign almost. And then you eventually do one of the several final missions, uh, defeat some like bosses and stuff in that. And then you get a big loot room that has like a ton of chests in it and you get to open uh, a certain number of chests depending on how many keys you have. Depending on how much intel you found during this campaign, you'll be able to see what's going to be in some of the chests and overall just very rewarding and enjoyable to do. Hmm. So. Pretty cool endgame system, actually. It's like a 
Path of Exile's Eternal Labyrinth if it was a lot more fun <laughs> and wasn't full of traps and stuff. <laughs> yeah. nice. But kind of like the same idea of like hunting down keys and then having a loot room at the end. It's pretty pretty satisfying. Peach, you haven't played live PUE, but you remember labs, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He died. He died several times. Okay. Listen, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Okay. Why do you got to bring that up? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... Chron- Chronicron? Am I saying that right? Chronicon, yes. Chronicon. Uh, slightly weird name, but yeah. uh, it's because it's got like some time travel stuff in it. This is kind of like a bullet hell uh, top-down indie action RPG. Um, it's... It's kind of interesting because it's uh, it's very Diablo-like, actually. So, bloody Diablo fans, I would recommend check this out because it has a lot of emphasis on set items and those completely changing and making builds a lot more powerful as well. Mm. It's like um, what makes this game really notable is that you can enjoy this game in a very short amount of time, um, which usually s- uh, kind of aligns with it being pretty casual, but uh, it still manages to retain a pretty high level of complexity despite that. So you can get to like level 100 in a day or two and farm an end game, get a set of gear and do some like high end game stuff in like another day, you know, like not really not much time at all. But in that time, you've had a pretty satisfying, fully featured uh, progression of like action RPG experiences. And there's a, there's a solid amount of depth to the character customization. So and there's like tons of different builds and stuff like that. It's one of the few games where Thorns builds are viable. <laughs> I don't know if Diablo 3 has a Thorns build these days, but it actually has legitimate Thorns builds in this game, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Point but uh, yeah. Very- Source subjects. Yeah. Thorns, yeah. yeah. Source subjects? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there's very legitimate Thorns. You can play Thorns Berserker where you can get some stuff that skills and items that convert your Thorns into like uh, area effects that proc around you and uh, create like firestorms and stuff like that. It's uh, pretty cool. Nice. But uh, yeah, some, some like, solid like build. Like Zelda, a really solid game if you just want to yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got a little bit of a Zelda yeah. aesthetic to it. It's uh, it, it gets a little bit bullet helly at times, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of fast and just just the fact that you can like play for a couple days. You got like a couple days spare. You can you like have a character that has like a you know you finish in a in a few days on a character, but it wasn't you didn't like. I don't feel like you sacrificed a lot there. Mm. Normally, a game that you'd be done with a few days, you'd say, oh, that was really shallow. But this is like it feels kind of just the same as like making coming up with a build in Diablo 3 and getting it to the end or even in Path of Exile still kind of a similar level of satisfaction which was surprising it's the only game I've seen that's done that that's so short yet still has a fair bit of depth to it hmm. right on um, and then some of the ones that Chip might know of uh, Last Epoch yeah Last Epoch you guys uh, followed Last Epoch I played the alpha yeah. I played the most recent beta yeah, so Last Epoch is ambitious. They're trying to make like a Path of Exile like yeah. game that will be online and have seasons and all that sort of stuff, which I think is a risky, or very it's a high risk but high reward move. Sure. Um, but the I originally uh, so kind of like this would be I don't know. We'll talk about Walson maybe a little bit later. <laughs> sure, but, sure, sure. Um, Walson, I saw early on that it's kind of like I was like mm, I don't know if they will be able to do with it to to be able to do this. I don't I don't have like a lot of confidence, but with Last Epoch, they had a demo on their the first day of the Kickstarter and I played the demo and I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Like they showed a very solid vertical slice of the gameplay. They had like a lot of their ideas represented in that. And I was like, these guys look like they'll be able to do this. So I had a lot of confidence right from the early days. And they had some they had some pretty cool ideas of what they wanted to do with like the crafting system and uh with trading and with some like time travel elements and uh 
and uh, pretty high level of like build customization, things like that. This is like the crafting system on game here. You kind of destroy items, capture affixes into like little little shards, and then you can apply those affixes to items, craft them on there, but it gets increasingly likely to create some sort of damaging effect on the item as you go. So a lot of control over the crafting of items, but uh, it makes a lot of value to even like white items that drop, but also um, items that otherwise aren't very good, but have some affixes that you want. Mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty interesting systems, but... Uh, the the most notable thing really is just been that the devs have been putting out very frequent uh, updates to the game, and uh, the update quality has been very good. Yeah. So that's the best the best thing about it, really. Yeah, and I I would share that opinion. So I think of uh, of the upcoming ARPGs that have like decent graphics, that this showed the most promise. Um, mm. There was a lot more going on here than I than I felt in most of the other ARPGs I've checked out. Or the past couple of years, but you know, it, it definitely had its problems. But I mean, it's beta; it's, it's alpha. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's still a bit clunky, I think, and the yeah. animations and stuff look pretty jank still. Mm-hmm. So they got a fair bit of work to do there. But I don't really mind when like a game in pretty early in development because it only just went into beta, really. Right. Um, in like the true sense of the term as well, right. not like marketing beta. Um, so they've got plenty of time to work on mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I'm pretty interested in this game on the trading level too, because they're planning on doing a uh, like a market bazaar, which I'm really excited about. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I played Ragnarok online back in the day, where you'd like go around and like visit different people's stores and <laughs> just kind of it was like a real sense of discovery, finding finding items. Interesting. So I'm curious to see how their trading works because they have the opportunity to learn from Path of Exiles uh, progression over the years. They can be like, okay, we can start the trading off as being a lot more restricted and then expanded out over time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm curious to see how the trading will work out in this game and whether it'll long-term end up just being like Path of Exile or whether it long-term will uh, end up being a lot more restricted than Path of Exile and what sure. impacts it will have on the game. Sure. But, uh, yeah, curious, curious to see how the trading goes in this game. Did you try it's this no one out, P-Child? I didn't. Um, I, I did research it a lot and, you know, I, I tried talking to him, but I did never, did never get it, mm. so... Yeah, all I think of still with this game is Steve at, uh, at yeah, sneaky year. Steve. <laughs> sneaky yeah, yeah, Steve. they they gave me um, access to it, but I just never found time to play it. So, did you? Are you I familiar mean, with Sneaky Steve? Ziggy? Sneaky Steve sneaky doesn't Steve. ring any bells. <laughs> so their their art designer for Last Epoch, he was at BlizzCon last year. And he went ah, and okay. asked the question. He's like, how do you guys ex- expect to stay competitive with games like Last Epoch and Wilson on the Horizon? <laughs> Wearing a Last Epoch t-shirt. <laughs> Last and, Epoch uh, shirt. No, I was like, oh, wait, this so guy works for Last Epoch. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, speaking of the on other him. one that we kind of touched on very briefly, Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wilson. So, I've actually seen this new trailer, but no, this new trailer is actually kind of jaw dropping. I haven't seen uh, it. This is a bit if I don't know because so Wilson looked really pretty when they first revealed their game, mm. uh, but it was kind of just like um, like I don't know what are they cry engine or whatever, and it was just kind of like graphical effects and stuff and lighting that make, kind of really wound people. I kind of saw through that. And I was like, oh, I don't know. There was no real experience on the team that I could tell, mm-hmm. and the first demos that they put out and stuff were all kind of real jank. 
and I never really saw any solid progression from the game for the longest time. So I'd lost pretty much faith in this. Like, I want every action RPG to be great. I love the genre. I want as many good games to be out there as possible. Mm. So for the longest time, I tried it a few times over the course of its development, and people were saying it was gotten better. Every time I looked at it, it was like, this is still really bad. I don't know that these guys can pull a good game out of this. And then they revealed this trailer at Gamescom. I'm like, this is not the same game. What the hell is this? Mm. It looks like Lost Ark or something, right? It's got that same sort of physicality sure. to the combat. Skill effects look amazing. <laughs> like, it looks okay. sick, right? Look yeah, at this. Yeah, this. What is this, this trailer? trailer? This trailer looks awesome, no doubt. It looks great. <laughs> the hell you know, is this? So, Fluff, you played this, right? Oh, yeah. So I played okay. both versions of this. So I was actually... I'm with a reverse opinion. So I, I when I for, originally played this game and like you got to like play up to like level 20 and you got to do like, you know, the Skeleton King basically and do that fight at the end in that alpha phase. I thought that I was I was much more like impressed back then than I was with their most recent update. The most recent update, I was okay. so incredibly bored. Like you're just kind of grinding like, the same map over and over and I get it. You know, it's, it's beta alpha, whatever. But I... I was so bored so instantly with, with the latest. I, I don't know why. It just didn't feel... And I felt like graphically it actually had gotten stepped down from what it was in the alpha. Mm. But maybe because I had... So I had played Lost Ark in between like yeah. the alpha and the beta. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I was actually less impressed by the later version. Well, yeah, I I don't know. Like... I haven't played the most recent builds mm-hmm. that were publicly available for Walson, but th- th- did they look anything like this trailer? Because this looks like a different game to me. They did, like, and so quite... like this is kind of showcasing all the skills you have available. You know, like you'd have like six, and like this, I feel like every clip's like, well, this is all six, and it's like, wow, that's so much. But like that's all, like that that was it, you know. And there just wasn't any like like this guy's just kind of standing there. The skill looks cool. All the skills look cool, but like. Yeah, you ultimately end up just kind of like standing there and like beaming, and you do that a okay. thousand times, and you're like, okay, all right. So you think maybe they're just like really good at making trailers or something? I but mean, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, that, that can certainly be a thing. And yeah. their early trailers did really well for them as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So they do seem to be good at making trailers. But uh, I don't know. This does look like a big improvement for what I remember. So mm-hmm. I'll check it out at some point. I really hope it ends up being great. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree I graphically. This this is yeah. impressive comparatively to what I had sure. remembered seeing. So yeah, right. so Looks I mean, good. if they're turning it around, then I I'm thrilled. I'll definitely sure. check it out and see if they are. Yeah, and I I mean I say these things like I want these games to succeed because I want other ARPGs to be good. I just you know I I play them and I'm like, well, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't the greatest thing I ever did. Um, but yeah, and then one we don't have gameplay for, but. It lurks below, and we had David Brevik actually on himself, um, and I still haven't gotten. Oh, so yeah, you guys, pro- guys have probably like talked about and seen it quite a bit then. <laughs> yeah, but I just yeah, wanted to make actually, sure it got mentioned. Yeah, yeah I actually I mean, played this one. The granddaddy so. of Diablo himself, man. Like, mm-hmm. how could it not be great? What did, What do you but, think about it, this one, Z? It was fun. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's different. It's you know, it, it's definitely got some customization features and and similarities to ARPGs. But obviously, it's a side scroller. Um, but, but yeah, it was fun, man. I had a good time. You know, I streamed it for a couple hours, and I had a good time figuring it out and learning the, the systems. And could definitely see how how somebody that's into that uh, character customization aspect could get hooked on this game mm-hmm. for sure. So, what are your thoughts, Ziggy? It's it's um, another example of like another kind of like almost stretching the definitions of the genre a bit because I don't know. I think the 
maybe like the problem this game has is that the first hour it feels almost exactly like Terraria. You're kind of like mining, building houses, planting farms and stuff like that. But then after that, it becomes very much, it feels a lot like more like an action RPG. A lot of that stuff kind of takes a back seat and it's a pretty much all flat chat action RPG action from then on. You're like, usually you can create some pretty busted builds in this game. You create some build and you're just blowing up like tons of mobs. You're like teleporting through the terrain and stuff. You stop mining because you're just literally teleporting through the terrain and like blo- just creating huge explosions and auras and coming up with some sort of like real busted stuff to like cheese the game as much as possible. And I had a, re- I had a lot of fun with that as a result. So it, it degenerates very quickly into glorious action RPG action. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth a try if you want to see something that's a little bit different. And uh, yeah, you know, gotta love David Brevik. Sure, he's, man. He's, he made the exact game that he wanted to play. Yeah. And he regularly like streams himself playing it as well. <laughs> yeah, legend. And him. he's come along like when when I played it, it was he, he's done a lot of builds since then, a lot of updates and a lot of things to mm-hmm. it. He's constantly updating it. So uh and then I mean the one I'm most pogged for, I think, of everything on this list. Yeah, me too, man. Was Lost Ark. Um have you had the opportunity to play this at all, Z? Yeah, I did play the uh, Korean one until my account got banned. <laughs> so, like, did a we did a ban wave of Western yeah, accounts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, the close. So, I have a suspicion that there's a space in the market for an incredible MMO action RPG, and there's been a ton of games sort of called themselves MMO action RPGs, mm-hmm. but they've just been MMOs with isometric sure. a- like combat. And but the ge- the gearing they've missed what's made action RPGs good, right? Like the gearing, for example, is often the biggest downfall. It's like it's literally just MMO gear, which I I loathe because it's like it's all the same. They have set stats. There's no like interesting variance there. There's almost no influence on your character's build. They literally just kind of like make your main stats go up. It's like the most boring, mind numbing stuff for me. <laughs> sure. I I just I do not like that at all. But um. Lost Ark is uh, probably the closest I've seen so far to an MMO action RPG that's like getting there. I still don't think it's quite the idea that I want to see, which is a true action RPG in an sure. MMO sort of uh, setting. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, the gameplay in Lost Ark is, feels very good. Oh man, <laughs> it's got the certainly the some of the best MMO I, like isometric action sure. combat that I've played. I think yeah, like yeah. you hit it on the head. I think the combat in Lost Ark is just light years ahead of everyone else. But everything else, I don't know that NA would necessarily love. Like the Island Hearts, I don't think that anyone would want to do that in NA. And I, I, I thought it was somewhat interesting at first, like the different level. Like you can progress your character by just like farming mats. You can progress your character by like crafting. Uh, and that was, I thought that that was like different ways you could like, so say you hit like level 70 warrior or something like that. And then you could level crafting as well. No, that's like, it, it's either one or the other. Like you can, there are different ways of like progressing your character, which is, I thought was really bizarre almost. And like, it almost took away from the game because like, it's like less grinding kind of it really, if you look at it. So, uh, but combat, oh my gosh, this game's on. And the smoothness of it, like we're playing on Korean servers and like fighting yeah. f- hundreds of mobs and with zero zero like, like the castle siege you know you come down and like there's fifty thousand yeah. <laughs> like minions waiting for you and you're like oh this just must be a cutscene, and then you go kill them like right it, it was crazy yeah it felt like it was very client side which uh maybe opens up like risks of cheating sure, and stuff sure, like sure. that but it yeah it felt like there was no lag which was crazy playing from korean side. right um but yeah it felt so smooth as a result of that and yeah. i was like this, this feels good 
Um, yeah, I. <laughs> but I mean, it's not out in the West, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need this one. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's not out in the West. You know, and I don't I think know it's that it would do that too great late when it comes out. That's true too, honestly. Yeah, because I, I have a very strong suspicion that Diablo Four is actually going to have some pretty strong MMO influences mm-hmm. in it. I don't think it's going to be an MMO. I don't really think Blizzard would want to cannibalize WoW all that much. Sure, but I think it'll. It'll at least maybe like have a bit more of like a maybe a warframey vibe in the community sense of that. Like we have some areas where they feel a bit more open, like an MMO and stuff like that. They, uh, I don't know, very k- kind of. I mean, they started a little bit with Diablo three, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit more MMOy. And if that ends up being good, and then Lost Ark comes out later, it's like, yeah, probably will be too late. Honestly, for Lost sure. Ark. And then kind of last super one. impressive years ago when yeah. we first saw it. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but it's been a while now, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, the last one I want to touch on, because I, I feel like this is by far and away the third best on, on the market, like without question to me, which is Grim Dawn. Grim Dawn is, mm. I think, the only, I mean, they're really the only fully fledged ARPG with, you know, this decade's worth of graphics um, <laughs> with. That's really, I feel like a solid game all around. And I'm always recommending this one for people that maybe are a little burnt out on Diablo and PUE. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, Ziggy. Yeah, Grimdawn is uh, like right at the top of my list. I love it. I'm in love with it. I want to have its babies. But um, I do <laughs> give the caveats that it's definitely not for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's uh, far and away the slowest action RPG out there. It's uh, substantially slower than pretty much any of them. And uh, it's also one of the, like, meatiest with, uh, I would even say, like, to the levels of, like, bloated with things like stats and affixes. There's actually, like, 12 resistances in this game, for example. (laughs) That's, like, pretty, pretty, the general sort of sense of things that you'll have. But I will say this game does some things just fantastically. We were talking about this a bit earlier, but it it has um, handcrafted maps. Mm. And uh, it's one of the few action RPGs that has like a real sense of exploration to it because there's a lot of hidden areas you can discover that have things like one-shot chests that will have legendaries in them and unique items and uh, like random bodies that have like some lore on them. And (laughs) it's got some pretty cool stuff in it that you can discover. So it's got a real good sense of exploration. It's so much slower paced. But the upside of that is that it's a real thinking man's action RPG, thinking person's action RPG. Mm. It's a... it rewards building defensively. It rewards having a good understanding of the mechanics and the enemies that you're facing. And the fights go on for long enough that you have a chance to actually realize those things. So in something like, you know, Path of Exile, where you zoom it along, you don't really get a chance to notice a lot of the minutiae of your character because you're just kind of blowing up stuff or getting blown up. But uh, in this, you know, a solid fight might like, like, might last quite a while and you have a chance to use things like various procs and healing effects and regen and block and other defensive structures so most recently i played a uh almost purely defensive character level 100 i made a uh dual shield wielding mm-hmm. uh thorns retaliation wait you can wear tank. a shield on both arms <laughs> That's no, there is a there is a uh a weapon called the totally normal shield which you can use in your main hand in okay. addition to a shield in your offhand it has a bunch of shield affixes on it it's technically a mace but it's uh it's got a lot of shield stuff going on. So you get this like dual shield thing going on. <laughs> and uh, I made this like ridiculously low DPS, pure tank character, played it all the way through to 100. And it, I just got like such an appreciation for the defensive mechanics in this game and how powerful they are. You can feel like a tanking god, and it's actually a viable play style mm. because of like the change in the pace in the game. So mm. 
Also, if you uh, love like really like overcomplex stuff coming up with ridiculous things, um, this game has a pro- probably one of the best proc systems if you're really interested in things like uh, effects triggering on certain other conditions being met. And uh, if you like coding, <laughs> okay, it's kind of a joke, but you can create builds that have like procs on procs. So you attack a thing, something procs, that thing procs another thing, or something attacks you and that procs a thing that procs another thing. Mm-hmm. And you have like layers and layers of various procs. And like the gear is so interesting in it too, because like so many items have like brand new skills you can't get anywhere else on them or other procs or various sorts of conditional effects and things like that. So crazy interesting to build a character in it, like the the mesh of like mm-hmm. the game's skill system, this like humongous uh, star chart of proc and passive effects and uh the gear that all has like tons of layers of stuff on it right uh you'll get items that are like the length of the screen in terms of stats <laughs> yeah so if you get overwhelmed by that stuff it is super meaty so it's definitely not for everyone slow mm-hmm. meaty a little bit clunky a lot of the skills are a bit clunky for sure but uh very very satisfying very deep definitely 100%. worth playing yeah if you're into that if that appeals to you <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's all I had on the list, unless you had anything else. Mm-hmm. Is there? Uh, did you play? They, they classify the Marvel Ultimate Alliance three as an ARPG. Mm. Did you know that? I call a lot of games action RPG, and honestly, the term for the genre is a bit like yeah, open ended because you could call like God of War an action RPG. It's got RPG elements, and it's an action combat game. So they call yeah. a lot of games action RPGs that we wouldn't call action RPGs. I do mm. not know that game though. <laughs> no, uh, sorry. Yeah. No, I played it a little bit. It's like it, over it was, the shoulder um, ARPG. Yeah, it know. is. A, it is a no, no. It's not like they have a camera setting and whatever mm. footage you're looking at's the the behind the camera. Gotcha. But there's there's a isometric view. Uh, it's super casual, but it was a fun. I'm a huge Marvel fan, so okay. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna check this out. And uh, it was a good 15 hours of gameplay, and I'll never touch it again. So, I mean, there was a Marvel action RPG. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was actually kind of uh, right. It was. I played it a little bit. God, that was like 2000. David Brevik worked on that. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what was uh, it called? It, uh, oh, Marvel. Was it Heroes? I think it was Marvel Heroes. Yeah, I think it was Marvel Heroes. But um, yeah, that was uh, actually funnily enough, we're talking about MMO, MMO action RPGs. It was probably actually the best MMO action RPG, the like most truest action RPG that was an MMO where you run around with other people and kill bosses together and. It yeah. actually had legitimate action RPG stuff. It was a little bit light. It was more about like collecting heroes and costumes and stuff. But right. uh, it was it was actually kind of alright. <laughs> and then it died a tragic death yes. <laughs> of like falling apart because of some ill-advised gameplay changes and then having its license pulled. Mm-hmm. Yep. So sad. Yep, yep. <laughs> dead. Very yeah, dead. That's the whole list of ARPGs. Unless did you have any that weren't on that list, Ziggy? There's more out there, honestly, but uh, right. those, are, those are definitely some of the main ones yeah. to check out if you're interested in exploring the genre a little bit more. I definitely uh, I definitely recommend, you know, getting out there and trying some other action RPGs. If you've only ever played Diablo or only ever played Diablo and PoE, then, uh, you know, I would recommend checking out some of the other ones. There's some great indie action RPGs out there, especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely worth checking out. Twitter questions? Love the genre. Cool. Time for some Twitter questions. Let's oh, do yeah. it. Cool. Uh, so every week on the podcast, we do a section where the viewers can ask us questions. They can submit those to us on Twitter. Uh, the first question comes from Skipper. And he says, uh, what kind of gameplay mechanics do you want to see in Diablo 4? Would you like them to continue with rifts, greater rifts, or should it be something new? Uh, would you prefer bigger? So this is kind of worded. We'll start with that. Yeah. Um, what kind of 
what kind of gameplay mechanics would you like to see? Let's start with Ziggy, man. Got, what do you think? Okay. <laughs> oh, God. You guys are the experts. I, I, I mean, I don't think necessarily like the Rift idea is a bad idea. Just kind of like an endless repeatable dungeon sort of system. I think it's something that most action RPGs should have some variant of, but I don't really think it should be the only thing. So hopefully there's more than, more than that. Honestly, there's so many different uh, things you could explore. You can have what I was talking about, like that Void Crusade style system is like a a great sort of uh, end game that can be repeatable and very rewarding. You can, you can have systems like that where they're like a bunch of linked uh, missions that get increasingly more challenging and rewarding. Uh, play, things that players have control over. I hope to see some of that sort of stuff. If they do go the MMO action RPG route, then I hope to see some like organically grouping that content. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be a bit of a solo gamer, but when there's like opportunities to kind of just like organically play with some other players without needing to be sociable mm-hmm. <laughs> or like without needing to like have friends, you can, uh, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to see something like that, but uh, I don't know, man, honestly. Yeah. The, I kind of touch on that. Beautiful. Some of the things we've said time and time again is I, I think that the rift creator rift is, is a, a, a decent base game. And if they would have just mm-hmm. kept, keep adding to that, it would have been uh, like, we'd be in a, way different but like say you know we got abyss and then we got incursion and, and stuff like that built on top of a rift greater rift system like we'd be in a whole different boat right now but that's all we got so i think it's a great base game i wouldn't necessarily mind seeing that in the next diablo but like they had would have to mix it up so it doesn't just feel like a straight copy paste kind of situation yeah, I definitely don't want to be running riffs my entire end game in Diablo 4. Right. I've done 5,000 hours of that. I right. need something else. Yeah, um, And we've talked about it a million times, so I won't go into it. But I, I, I want to see Diablo 4 kind of, and this is because I'm a huge MMO fan. I want to see it go more of the MMO ARPG route, mm-hmm. personally. But yeah, uh, most people probably won't agree with that. Sure. So. I think of all the ARPGs, like, I think Diablo wins for group play. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they definitely need to continue down that road. Yeah. But hopefully not completely separate yeah, from solo. I, I think that makes sense. And honestly, as far as the genre as a whole goes, I'd love to, maybe that's not exactly what a lot of Diablo players might want, but it would be something pretty different to the rest of the genre, mm-hmm. which is something I'd mm-hmm. like to see personally. Someone who wants to play all the games. <laughs> You're right. Uh, Kiray says, besides racing, what other things could GGG do to implement a more competitive atmosphere, maybe even esports? Esports in an action RPG? <laughs> nah. And, and not really PvP either, because PV, like gear-driven PvP I don't think really works that well, unless it's like isolated to that specific scenario. So something like the Battle Royale thing actually did work pretty well mm-hmm. because like everyone has this exact same amount of time and ability to get all of the gear. But if you have like thousands of hours of acquiring gear and perfecting your build before the PvP engagement happens, it's just like so hard to have something interesting, competitive come of that. Sure. I think uh, that sort of action RPG PvP is a dead meme at this point. <laughs> People have nostalgia for Diablo 2 PV- PvP and collecting years and stuff, but honestly, that's what it is. Even then, it was pretty degenerate. <laughs> Back then, it was it was a, it was a rough experience. Back then, even for a lot of people, and only a very minority group even really got into it. Then as well, I don't think there's much potential there. The competition, I think, is all PVEVP. You know what I mean? We're like you're competing yeah. in doing PVE stuff. So having things like races or pushes to certain pieces of content in the game, or things like delves where you have to have a leaderboard. Uh, you know, Diablo three has its leaderboard stuff. If it wasn't, you know, being botted, maybe that would actually be something that people love to, you know, get more involved in. 
That's the, that's the sort of stuff I think that mm-hmm. you compete with. Less so than like direct PvP. Is there a way in PoE to say you're on, on the Delve leaderboard or something like that? Is can you separate that by like build at all, or is that strictly like no. the best builds do it kind of thing? I think you can. Uh, I think you can sort by class, but not by build. Gotcha. Specifically, yeah. Gotcha. It'd be too complex a problem to to for them to guard. You think they could they, just like, do it? But like, determine, I think. your six link skill gem, like whatever that is, and like they could do it that maybe. way. Maybe there's a site called Poe Ninja that lets yeah. you sort by people using skills. You can, see, you can see what sort of DPS and health titles and builds people are running Does based on their main six link skill. Uh, like depth on Poe Ninja at all? Mm, not to my knowledge, okay. but you, I guess you could go to their account and see what they're sure. if they're on the leaderboard. Yeah. I guess it would be possible for someone to implement something. I guess it'd be possible for like sure. Ninja to um, do something like that. Yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting. Yeah, it might actually be possible. Mm-hmm. Like they got their like uh, DPS kind of like rankings, and they could maybe do the same thing with Delve. Maybe Delve ranking. Yeah, possibly. Maester Major says, uh, "How much public speaking is required in your nine to five job, and has Twitch streaming helped you in that?" <laughs> so, <It's>, uh, <laughs> what do you guys reckon? Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, do you? Ha- are you full time streamers here? Are you? Do you yeah, do yeah, I'm full time streamer. Okay. So yeah, it's quite effective. So hundred percent in yours. Yeah, it's it. That's interesting. I was wondering if you guys would say that or not. Because mm. like, yes, but also no. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right at the line right here because it's actually a completely different skill to get up and talk in front of real people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done uh, panels and stuff at PAX. And uh, done some of that, that sort of like actual public speaking, and it's a very different feeling. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like you get some carryover, um, but uh, it's it does feel entirely different. Mm-hmm. Out of your, different you're out of your yourself. environment. You're not just looking at your yeah. webcam. Sure, you know? yeah, so. yeah. But um, um, yeah, no, it's a it's a sk- it is definitely a skill that you develop though. Uh, if you go like listen to my old videos compared to my newer videos and my stream and stuff like that, you can see even how much your voice changes. Sure, like, my voice sounds completely <laughs> different to how it used to. But also your tone and your energy and your ability to convey thoughts, even yeah, though I still your, fail at your that. Your cadence a lot of, the time. of your speech and things like that. I mean, so much is different than the way you would actually speak to somebody. So, right. Yeah. Uh, in person. I think so. For my nine to five, um, I'm a computer geek. I. I, I you know, work in IT. And so I think it's definitely, I, I don't know if it's helped me, but I think I have um, a st- strong skill set to communicate with people and, and become friends with people. I think I can find anything that a person has and bond with them somehow, find mm-hmm. a connection. And I think that has helped me tremendously in my nine to five. It helps me, uh, those relationships that I can build because a lot of IT professionals are super nerdy and awkward around other people. And I think my ability to talk about sports or music or TV or anything that somebody's into, I can relate. And I think that helps. It, it's, you know, invaluable sure. to have that. Yeah. One thing I noticed as a streamer is you have to uh, be very aware of not being in streamer mode when you're talking to other people. Mm. Yes. Uh, where you're just talking and dominating the conversation. Because sure. we're used to one, completely one-sided yeah. conversation, basically. Or calling Wait. real people chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that, thankfully. Oh my god, I have a couple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, you just got to make sure you don't dominate the conversation. You got to learn to listen a little sure. bit too. I think for me, um, I don't know. My profession, I'm, I'm very like confident. I would say the same thing with my stream, but I would compare it to almost to. So, say you're fresh out of college and you maybe you have to like give a presentation at a meeting, like you, you're kind of nervous, and then that kind of goes away over time. And I would say it's almost the same thing for streaming. 
like that first big host, you're like, oh, oh shit, like. Yeah. <laughs> but now, like, you know, big host is like, well, you, you don't really change anything about your stream. It's just more people came in. So I, I, it's yep. kind of the same. It's just like you eventually you kind of become numb to it and more comfortable with it. And that's just my opinion. Uh, Exegito says, are there. Uh, there are virtually non-existent punishments for softcore versus the other top punishments of hardcore or over-the-top punishments of hardcore. What would you, uh, what would a third option possibly look like? I think I had to like reword this a little bit because it really wasn't in a question form. <laughs> um, but he's saying that, you know, softcore, there's no punishment. Mm. You can just die, 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 die. doesn't matter. Sure. Hardcore is extreme. Die once, game over. So what do we get for... <laughs> I think Pee-wee kind of does that to an extent, like, because you lose XP yeah. when you die. Yeah, that's what I was well, thinking, too. It's kind of a nice... I think that's, like, the bit, like, that's the smallest thing. Uh, something I think is far more interesting that GG's been exploring a bit, and I definitely want to see more of, and it's made softcore, actually, my main genre, I, my main playstyle. I used to play hardcore more and enjoy that more, mm -hmm. but I've played a lot more softcore lately because of uh, changes in the game over time. But a big part of it is that there is things to lose in softcore now when you die. So, for example, if you're doing something like a delve, dying costs you something, mm. right? Like you've invested something into that run. That's, I think, that's I think the balancing point where you can make softcore interesting. You can mm. have things at risk where you're like, I invested a lot in doing this thing, and if I do it well, then I'll, I'll you know, I'll get a return. Sure. But if I if I die or do it poorly, I won't get a return, or I won't get a very good return. I'll lose something, not just like ten percent XP or whatever. That's whoever. Like that gets, a, yeah, that gets harsh in the high at the high levels, but. The uh, losing actual things like investment, I think, is where it starts to get interesting. Where, where yeah, and maybe it's time, time too. Like yeah, lab, time. like yeah, like when I died time. at the lab boss twice in a row from my third <laughs> yeah. lab. Like I was yeah. pissed. I was super Noob. pissed because the second, the first time I was kind of like overconfident. The second time, I really didn't understand what killed me because I'm you know I'm pretty new to Path of Exile and I'm like what what you know. But I had to take that time to get all the way back to him, and I think. Time is valuable. So to me, that oh, yeah. 30 minutes I lost on those two runs was like, all right, <laughs> stepping it up. Yeah. I got to make sure I don't die. Yeah. That's what gives you medium core. That's where you, sure. yeah. you get that sense that you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I don't want to die here. Even though I'm playing soft core, like, I'll still be able to keep playing my character. I'm not going to lose potentially hundreds of hours, but, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, there's something at risk here. So I really don't want to die. Yeah. So for that's, sure. that's, I think, a good place for a lot of players. I think time is, is a great investment, a, a great risk to, to throw sure. in the mix. So, um, Hex says, uh, at Ziggy D, if you could get an offer from any game studio to become the creative director, what studio <laughs> and what game are you taking over? Creative director? Oh, man. I don't know if I have the skill set for that. I don't know if I'm, I feel like that requires being creative, right? <laughs> uh, I think, I think they just mean like you're going to be in charge. Like you have the direction, mm -hmm. you hold the reins, you're sure. steering the ship. Well, it's already in your you know, Twitter tag. I wouldn't want to take right? over Path of Exile. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to take over like Path of Exile or something. I think they'd do a pretty good job of yeah. that. That would be too much pressure for me. I think I'd want it to be my own game. Mm, okay. Come up with some okay. sort of Ziggy D style action RPG or a, maybe another type of genre that blends in some action RPG elements. Yeah, my own sort of game. So all I need is like, you know, some people with <laughs> developing skills and yeah, creativity and stuff to be able to execute my armchair vision. But, uh, <laughs> yep, if, if I had those things, however unrealistic that might be to find a bunch of people who would want to work for it for probably no money, then, uh, <laughs> then yeah. Awesome. Then, yeah, it's my own go. sort of game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, I would like. 
sample size again at Ziggy D. Have oh. you ever been fired from a job? If so, what was it? <laughs> fired? No, not really. Um, oh, I kind of just like I kind of just like abandoned my job though. <laughs> you just I stopped was working. Going? I was working. Yeah, I just kind of stopped going. <laughs> what was and then it? moved. Tell me. Tell me the story. What I, the story? Uh, I worked in retail for a while when I was in like, well, when I was in school and then in university. Uh-huh. And eventually I shifted over to like a distribution center, pack and pallets and stuff uh-huh. just to pay for university and that. But I just kind of, uh, yeah, I just kind of stopped going. It's like, yeah, I'm moving and doing YouTubing stuff and don't want to go to this anymore. <laughs> I never officially quit. <laughs> I just kind of, I just kind of, just kind of like, yep. So do they call you and like, hey, where are you at? You coming back? Or? I think they like called and offered me shifts a few times, but uh, I was just like, no, nope, sorry. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, um, I was actually part time at one point, so it wasn't just like kind of walking away from casually. It was just kind of like, yeah, I'm probably not going to come back in. Awesome. P, have you ever been fired? I've never officially, yeah, Amy's like, what? <laughs> My partner in chat's like, what? <laughs> have I been fired? I've never yeah. officially quit. I got yeah. a whole bunch of getting fired stories, man. Um, <laughs> Give us one. The be- All right. So, who'd you sexually when harass? I was like, <laughs> no. When I was uh, like 16, I worked at this this resort, and that was like a big golf resort, and I used to weed eat and, and cut grass there. And I got my friend hired on, too. And so my friend was driving around in my car on the resort, not working, but he's in my car. So they thought it was me. And then um, we were eating lunch that day and the, and the owner walks up behind me. It was the owner and his wife and the wife, uh, one of my, he walked up behind me like I was eating. So he's standing right here and I couldn't see him. My friend sitting across the table, he does see him. And he's like, so tell me what you think about xyz's wife and i'm like man that fat b blah 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 because i hated her right and he is <laughs> he was like right. trolling you oh no yeah but he didn't think i was going to say that he thought <laughs> i knew he was there and i didn't <sighs> and um Bro. so between the writing around and then that statement i was i was canned damn. i was done wow. damn so yeah what about you fluffy you've been, you been fired you know i don't have any great stories i had like one job where like the higher ups were just like so detached from like what was going on with the company. And in a meeting I brought up how like I wasn't going to hit this deadline, but it was because like I wanted to add this like kind of last minute stuff. And like the, one of the higher ups like freaked out, like we can't be missing deadlines and like, we need to set an example. And so like they can me and like everyone on the team was just like, what the fuck? But like, <laughs> that's like, it was really not that good of a story, but it's just like, what the fuck? So yeah. it was a big surprise. Yeah. Mine was super abridged. The the full blown twenty minute version of it. It's amazing. So, <laughs> um, sure. the last question we have comes from Dirty Nap. He says, um, "Mars has become inhabit or come become habitable. You're offered a one way ticket with almost certain possibility you'll spend the rest of your life there. Do you take the ticket? Going to colonate Mars? Mm, Do we have like internet?" That's such that's such an opportunity, right? I You'd mean, be throwing away so much, but that's such you, an get to, you get to go start Mars, man. You're like, like one of the first, you know. Do you have internet? I mean, I, mean, I don't know why they can travel st- to Mars. We could have internet at Mars. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I could stream from there, I don't know why they would want me <laughs> over there. I don't know what skill set I have that I'd be able to bring to a colony in Mars. <laughs> Am I going to like set up the first Twitch stream on on Mars for the I Mars guess, people man. to watch? Those StarCraft yeah. skills, you know, like you build up a colony or yeah. something, right? You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
you gotta find the Mars loot, I guess. Are you going, Fluff? No. I mean, like, it'd be one thing if it's like you get a man like a like a, some kind of spaceship and you need to like see a whole bunch of shit, but like just going to Mars. I don't know, man. The red. I mean, you get rock. to see the entire planet of Mars. <sighs> yeah, probably not. No. All right, Zig, Zig, are you going? Yeah, I think I'd have to, right? Like, that's too monumental. How could you say no? I can't yeah. believe you. I'm disgusted. I think I'd, <laughs> I think I'd go. I'd be too scared, nah. man. There's nothing. What? Dude, what I don't know you? what's out there. They might have Mars germs and shit. I'm not. No. <laughs> I, just, I just think you'd get bored. You would just get bored eventually. Like, it'd be cool. Well, I, mean, and, like, I want to be the big... second person who goes there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second ship. Take me yeah. in the second ship. Yeah. <laughs> just so uh, I just, just, so, just so we know. Just so can we know. get a report back that those guys are still alive and everything's good? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that's it. That's all the questions we had this easy. week. So easy peasy. Right on, dude. Uh, Ziggy D, thanks for coming yeah, man. and hanging out with yeah. us today. Tell everybody where fun. they can find you at if they don't already know. Yep, I'm Ziggy D live on Twitch TV. I stream uh, almost every single day at uh, starting usually around this time or about an hour before. So uh, if this is a good time for you to watch streams, then you know I'm usually on. Uh, play all the action RPGs. I'm also on YouTube. If you just search Ziggy D on YouTube, I'll come up. Technically, I'm Ziggy D StarCraft, but whatever. <laughs> and I, I make a, a variety of action RPG gaming content. I'll be playing tons of uh, Path of Exile Blight, tons of Borderlands 3, any other action RPGs when I can. Playing some Star Sector at the moment. It's been an absolute blast. Probably do some of that later. And uh, I'm also on Twitter as well. I'm also Ziggy Starcraft on Twitter. That's sweet, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the things out. I always yeah. want to ask you about is like, it, it's so cool that like you get to do these kind of like almost insights from like GGG. Like, how did that even come to be? Like, because, you know, we so are Blizzard, I, you know, they don't talk to us. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I live in Australia, which is not too far from New Zealand. Also, it's pretty easy to travel there because sure. our visa just works there. There's like no extra issue. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, we were just like, me and Amy, my partner, we were just like, if we fly ourselves there and organize our own accommodation, could we come in and maybe like interview you guys and make some videos about the upcoming thing? We'll sign an NDA if we need to, et cetera, et cetera. So we're like... You're like the first people to ever do offer and something like mm-hmm. that, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll have to have you sign an NDA and stuff, but we'll we'll see how it goes." Like, you know, they're a little bit nervous because this is potential. Like, I could have gone there and like leaked all the sh- shit, sure. like put a thumb drive yeah. in and corrupted all their stuff, and <laughs> it was a big risk, obviously, for them. But you know, I, I made it as easy I made it as easy as possible for them. I said, "I'll handle everything. I'll just come in and make videos, and uh, you guys basically just have to like." You know, give me permission to come in and give me access to some people to talk to and some things sure. to look at. So I just made it really easy and we did that. And uh, by virtue of doing that and then not leaking anything <laughs> and not like corrupting them and uploading viruses and, you know, stealing secrets and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, build up some trust. So, uh, awesome. yeah. And since then, we've, we have been over there a few times, you know, you you talk to them, they realize you're a decent person, you can be trusted. Mm-hmm. And then so now I... Uh, and nowadays, these days, more often, I'm just on the media tour where Chris gets on Skype or Discord or whatever and sure. chats to various journalists and stuff, gives them a bit of a PowerPoint presentation, a bit of a rundown. And uh, yeah, I get I get the sense that he likes uh, including me in the media, media tour because I actually know what questions to sure. ask, whereas a lot of the media journalists are like, what's a map? Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. I get to ask some questions he doesn't expect. No, that's amazing. Which is, uh, yeah. It's yeah. good. And then, yeah, whenever we can, we, we'll go over to New Zealand and spend some time over there. It's it's pretty enjoyable. Oh, yeah, I bet. Maybe no, it's so nice. You have New Zealand in your backyard. Like, 
We have like Mexico. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So uh, the answer to answer the question, it's basically just taking initiative. Sure. Taking initiative. Uh, that's how things happen. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, make it easy for them and take initiative. There's a lot that, you know, like Blizzard could learn from that. Like they, I think GGD does a pretty good job of like being pretty open and and they like yeah, other podcasts will have like yeah. devs on and and shit and like that's just really cool and Blizzard would never do that. So yeah, it helps a lot that they're like a you know a relatively well right. a big indie company, but they're, they're an indie company right. and sure, sure, sure. don't have like a separate marketing department that Corporate. tells them that they can't say anything and right. then legal that says they can't say anything. Because I have in- interviewed Blizzard devs and you cannot get them to say anything about anything ever because right. <laughs> they are so well trained by legal and marketing to never say anything. You could talk yeah. about blue. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. Right well, thanks for being on. Yeah, man. Um, again, Siggy D, look them up. All over the place. Just Google Thank it. It'll pull it up. Uh, my name is the Peach Out. If you want to find more of me, you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere at the Peach Out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm Lord underscore Fluffy. Double those underscores on the Twitters. We'll see you guys next week. Minus a Ziggy. Peace out, dude. Peace.